It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Your season-long fantasy football lineup is locked in and ready for action, but you don't have to wait till Week 16 to get paid. Put your fantasy skills to the test starting Sunday at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site where you could kick the season off by winning $2 million. It's the biggest fantasy football contest ever. $10 million in prizes are up for grabs, including $2 million for first place and $1 million for second. One-week fantasy means no season-long commitments. It's fantasy football on demand. Play where you want, when you want, with the players you want. Then, turn your love of football into a life-changing payday. Just pick up your players, pile up the points, and pick up the cash. That's it. You've never experienced football like this. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and use promo code SPREAKER to play for free for a shot at $2 million in the Week 1 Millionaire Maker. Enter SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly, the voice of Ring of Honor Wrestling, and you are listening to Three Count Thursday. You got it? Three Count Thursday. Make it happen. Hey guys, welcome to Three Count Thursday, NGSESports.com. Jim here with you. Brian will be joining us in a, in a little while uh, because before we get to all the stuff from this past weekend and this past week, uh, Ryan and Matt had a chance to sit down and speak to wrestling legend Les Thatcher, and we'll get to that interview here in just a second. Just want to remind everyone about our home network, NGSC Sports. Go to NGSESports.com where we never stop, and make sure you check out all of the shows all of the written content and much much more all over, all over the site for our show site directly go to ngscsports.com slash the number three dash count dash thursday you can also podcast the shows by going to spreaker iHeartRadio, and the tune in radio app search ngsc you can also podcast our show directly by going to the podcast store whether you're itunes whether you're android it doesn't matter and search three count thursday it's always the number three Never the word three. We're also a proud part of Wrestling Informant 247.com. Visit Wrestling Informant 247.com for all of the greatest shows in the, in the world of professional wrestling podcasts and radio shows on the web today. The wrestling, uh, PW Informant Radio, the Ring Geeks, Outside Interference, and more. Again, that is Wrestling Informant 247.com. And we normally air, uh, we start airing our show live on SportsForFans.com. We're not doing the net tonight. We've had some uh, some technical problems with the with the live shows. We'll be continuing that hopefully uh, next week. So stay tuned. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Make sure you do at three count Thursday again at the number three count Thursday. Facebook.com slash three count Thursday and at three count Thursday on Instagram. 
You can follow me at Big Jim Sports. You can follow Ryan at RYN Eagle. And you can follow Matt at the number three CTA Philly, P H I L L Y, and the number eight at three CTA Affiliate. And if you want to lose some weight, and who doesn't, folks, let's be honest, uh, join the Project 10 Challenge by Body by Vi the, by going to saradonafrio.bodybyvi.com. That is S A R A. D-O-N-O-F-R-I-O dot bodybyvi.com. That is bodybyvi.com. Use promo code 3941356 to place an order for every 10 pounds you lose on the Project 10 Challenge. Vizalis will donate 90 meals to hungry children. Again, saradonafrio.bodybyvi.com and use promo code 3941356. Uh, so that with all that stuff out of the way, we are going to get to our interview with the wrestling legend, Les Thatcher. Enjoy that. And on the other side, uh, Ryan and I will discuss all the stuff from Night of Champions, from Raw this past week, and, uh, and some thoughts on the direction of the WWE. So, but here it is first, our interview with wrestling legend, Les Thatcher. It is our honor and our privilege tonight to sit down with a wrestling legend, legend of the square circle tonight. We are sitting down for an interview with Les Thatcher. Les, thank you so much for joining us tonight. That's my pleasure. Uh, you know, I always enjoy ta- obviously talking about the business I've spent all my life in. So <laughs> I, I have more dimensions than that, but that's the one that seems to be the most uh, prominent in my life, and, and so I enjoy it too, Ryan. Oh, well, fantastic. Yeah, we've got uh, a couple questions here we're going to run down. Uh, we're joined on the, on the interview today with Matt. Uh, we're just going to kind of go back and forth, uh, and uh, we're just going to let it ride. So, uh, Les, what, uh, could you start off by giving us some background on yourself? Um, some of our listeners may not be familiar with you. Uh, maybe some are a little bit more of a newer wrestling fan. Um, you know, and really start off from the beginning. Were you a fan of professional wrestling um, when you were growing up? And uh, who were some of the wrestlers that influenced you the most um, as a child? Okay, yeah, I, I became a fan when I was about nine years old. Uh, actually, the uh, first time I saw wrestling was on a 10-inch black-and-white set at a neighbor's house. We didn't even have a TV in our, in our home at, at that particular time. But uh, for whatever reason, I was fascinated by it and... Uh, you know, I, I did. You know, I played a lot of sports uh, through. Uh, well, from the time I was seven years old, I've been an organized something or other: baseball, football, basketball, or something. But uh, wrestling, just uh, I fixated on it. And uh, probably the biggest uh, impression that was made on me, and still as today, after fifty fifty five plus years later, would be Buddy Rogers, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, who was an amazing artist in our business uh you know in most places rogers was a heel but here in uh in our area uh he was a baby face which wouldn't have mattered i don't think much one way or the other it's just that rogers had this presence about him when you saw him come down the aisle he didn't need a belt he didn't need a fancy jacket it just you know the way he carried himself his stature his uh the, the way he presented himself he was special and uh, of course uh, once I got smart to the business, I realized I couldn't probably have picked a better uh, person as a, as a childhood uh, role model, I guess, as far as professional wrestling. All right, now, and, and just so we know, how long have you actually been in the wrestling business? Uh, I celebrated my the anniversary of my 50, 55th year 
the first match I ever had was July the 4th, 1960 in Blue Hills, Maine. So this past July the 4th, it was 55 years. 55 years. Well, thank you. Probably, which is probably, if we put your and Matt's ages together, it's probably more than you guys are combined, right? Uh, we're, we're, we have you beat, I think, by, by about five years. All five, right. six, well, seven years, yeah. Close, though, close. A while, then. <laughs> All right, so you were trained by uh, Tony Santos. Um, what are some of the main things you learned from him uh, that you use not only as a wrestler, but now maybe even as you train other wrestlers? Well, you know, I don't know that, you know, now that's a question that's never been asked of me. Um, you know, it was, it was a whole different ball game uh, over half a century ago. Uh, realized it was a clothes shop then. And uh, like I said, you know, I went to Boston. I, I, I lived, for those who don't know, I, I lived in, in a suburb of Cincinnati, Ohio, born and raised here. Um, but anyway, I got on a Greyhound bus at age 19 and went to Boston. And, uh, you know, I, I guess say I was a consummate jock, played all the, all the sports, uh, wrestled to YMCA and so forth. Um, but they decided to hand me my ass every day or every night uh, for a while to see if I was going to stick because it was a closed shop. And to be, I, I went to Boston in February of uh, 1960. My first match was July the 4th. And I, at that time, was the quickest turnaround of anybody to come out of, of Santos's camp. But here's the crazy thing. Now, I kind of got figured out a little bit that this is not all real uh, as I went along. But I was also smart enough to keep my mouth shut because somebody would have proved otherwise <laughs> if I'd opened my mouth. And actually, to sit me down and smart me up to the business was the day of my first match. Tony's uh, one of Tony's kids came over to to the rooming house where I lived and said, "Dad wants to see you." And I figured, well, oh, I'm in trouble. You know, it was Fourth of July, 1960, and I'm thinking, "Wow, what have I done wrong?" But it, I went over to the gym, and uh, Tony said, um, "You got your gear?" I said, "Yes, sir." It's in, he said, "Well, go get it. Today's uh, today's your day." So when I came back and sat down with him, uh, he he talked and said, um, "You know how you guys have trained." where you don't really apply pressure, which is actually the way they taught us to work without telling us it was a work. In other words, mm -hmm. they'd say, you guys, nobody's getting paid. It doesn't matter who wins or lose. We just want you to understand the uh, technical uh, things about how to apply a top wrist lock or a hammer lock or, you know, or whatever the, uh, the move happened to be. And, and obviously we learned to bump a little bit you know, to, because you have to be able to protect yourself and, and, and so forth. But they, he actually sat there and talked to me a little bit about it. And then on the trip from Boston to Blue Hills, Maine, where I broke in the business, uh, the, the three guys in the car, uh, Joe Sasso, who had played football at Boston U uh, and was a young wrestler, uh, Cowboy Ronnie Hill, who I had my first match with and who was a legitimate shooter, and uh, Bull Montana, who I bought tickets to see. But between those three guys and the trip, to be honest with you, I don't remember how many miles it was, but they smartened me up on the way to Blue Hills. And, uh, but, you know, the one thing that I guess that I bring to the table now that I, back then, was conditioning. Mm -hmm. uh, ring wind. You know, we, you, you probably hear guys talk about ring wind. There's only one place to get that, and that is actually in, in the ring. Uh, and, and the other part, as I look back on it, um, I stress that because, you know, in, in our business, uh, I don't teach calling anything in the dressing room except to finish. 
Uh, if anybody's come out of my, whatever they do once they leave me is on them. But anybody's come out of my, uh, for, you know, it started with me and, and uh, stayed with me has learned to call a match in the ring before, uh, you know, anything else. And uh, one of the things is that you've got to be thinking in there all the time. Where are we? Where have we been? Where are we going? You know, how are we building to the finish? Because you're trying to tell a story. And the crazy thing is, obviously, the your lungs only work on one thing. It's called oxygen. And your brain functions on that as well. And if you're out of gas, then, you you know, the brain is not functioning well. You panic, you make one mistake, which elevates into two, which elevates into three, and so forth. So that's one of the things that I that I stress heavily is I've got several, well, a couple of the conditioning drills that I use. The crazy thing is uh, I, I guess, put these things together, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, and uh, I go places now to do camps, and I'll say, I have this drill called a triple, and they say, oh, yeah, we've run that before. And so that particular drill, for whatever reason, has gotten around the country, and a number of trainers actually use some of my drills. But that, I, I think that's really the big thing. Uh, of course, we were more, you know, uh, once I was smart enough to the business, then it was about protecting your opponent, about working together. Um, and uh, I, I think, you know, those are the real critical things. Uh, to me, uh, details. It's not how much you do, it's how you execute what you do and doing uh, you know, a particular thing at the right time to elicit the, the response that you actually are looking for. And I think, honestly, those are a lot of the things that are lacking today or have been diluted today. Okay, now you had, uh, you had alluded to it a little bit in your answer before. You were talking about your debut match, um, and it was against Cowboy Ronnie Hill. Um, do you remember what your first match was like? Um, how big was the crowd? Um, what were your nerves? Uh, do you remember how the finish was? You know, I, I don't remember being nervous, to be quite – I mean, not that I'm uh, – <laughs> I've got nerves of steel, but, I, I, you know, I, I can get cranked up the same as anybody else. I don't remember actually being nervous, whether that was because – uh, they made me comfortable between, you know, in the ride up to Blue Hills. Made it was actually it was a Fourth of July celebration at at the Blue Hills. I, I think that was the name of the fairgrounds, and the ring was set up in the racetrack in front of the grandstand, and we dressed uh, under the uh, tower where the, you know where the announcer for the races and so forth was. Uh, actually, I worked twice that night because, well, back in back in the day, uh, it was not uncommon for four guys to work three matches. Uh, in a small, you know, in a small, what they call a spot show in a small town. And actually, Ronnie Hill and I opened the show. Uh, Sasso worked with Bull Montana in the second match, and we came back in the third match, Sasso and I against Bull and Ronnie. Um, but I, I guess I was, I don't know, you know, to say that uh, I, I, I wasn't totally comfortable, but I wasn't a nervous wreck either. And like I say, I attribute that more to Ronnie in that match, and I, I do remember in the tag match that Bull was such a, a loose worker, as the old expression goes, was obviously a night off, uh, that he put he put a headlock on me, and, and I was nervous enough at that point where I almost walked out of it because it was that loose, and he snugged <laughs> up and said, stay here, kid, and of course I did, but 
in terms of nervousness, I think that's the only thing I recall from back. But I realized, too, guys, that was 50, over 55 years ago. So it's not, you know, I remember the night. I remember, you know, I can, in, in my, you know, in my mind, I can envision uh, the crowd. And it was, you know, big, uh, a good turnout. I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, several hundred people. But, of course, at age 19 in my first outing, the last thing I was concerned with was counting the house. <laughs> sure, sure. Now, you had uh, great success in your career as a singles wrestler and as a, a tag wrestler, um, part of the Cousins faction with Roger Kirby winning championships there and with Nelson Royal. Did you have a preference in terms of wrestling? Did you prefer to be part of a team, or did you like being in there by yourself? You know, uh, actually, I, I there was no – I just – I love to work. Uh, it, it seemed, you know, I, it kind of fell into the tag thing, uh, I can't even tell you why, to be honest. You know, it was just something that, uh, well, of course, spending, you know, quite a bit of time in the Carolina, uh, working for the Crockett's in the, out of the Charlotte office, which was predominantly a tag team territory for many years. Um, but it was just something that happened. You know, I enjoyed, I enjoyed both ways, to be honest. I had, I was, I was blessed to have some great tag. You mentioned the cousins, of course, Dennis Hall, uh, along with Kirby. We were the, we were the, we, we were doing the Freebird thing before the Freebirds did it. Um, <laughs> But uh, Nelson Royal was a great ring general. Danny Miller, um, the, one of the Miller brothers out of, uh, out of Ohio State, Danny and I were partners. I, I, had, I, I was blessed to have some, some great tag team partners, and, um, you know, which always made it easier, too. But, uh, I, no, I don't think I really had a preference. I, would just, I just loved to work, you know. And uh, when you go to it, when I went into a territory, it was depending, you know, how they. Well, if, to give you an example, we went when we went in as the cousins into the uh, Lee Fields owned the Mobile office and the Louisiana end of the, of the territories before Watts ever got involved. And uh, we went into the Louisiana end, uh, Kirby and I, and then Hall came in later and worked as the cousins. When we went, when they started, uh, when they wanted us to go to Mobile, uh, the Booker there wanted to use me as a single. And uh, Roger and Dennis as a team, so you know that was the way we did it. The crazy thing about that was this was uh, back. This was in 1967. This is when Bobby Shane was doing the teenage sensation thing in Atlanta. So when we uh, Rocky McGuire was the Booker uh, out of the Mobile office at the time. So Rocky said, "You're going to be my teenage sensation," and I just looked at him because I was 26 years old at the time. <laughs> And I said, are you nuts? No, no, we're going to, you know, now here's the great, I mean, I looked, you know, I looked younger than my years at that point in time. Um, mm-hmm. But we were able to sell it, I, which surprised me as much as it might have anybody else. Uh, so I was a 17-year-old uh, in Mobile for a while. And uh, then I went, to, then, that's when uh, Eddie Graham and uh, they, invited me to Tampa because they were uh, giving me the NWA Rookie of the Year Award and wanted to do it in Tampa. And then I went in there initially as a single, and then Kirby came in later, and we worked as a team. So it was just, you know, it was never I thought, well, I've got to be a, you know, work with a partner or I have to work single. Just let me go. Let me work because, I, you right. know, I, obviously, obviously I still love the business, you know, but uh, as a young worker, I was just give me a ring and put me in there and let me go. Sure. Is there a uh, is there a match you're most proud of from your wrestling days? Oh wow! You know what? I 
there's, you know, I, I think there were some real highlights. We did a big hot angle where uh, the Infernos and J.C. Dykes threw fire in my face and burned me in 1967 in Charlotte. And uh, we built to a big blow-off at Christmas time where Dykes put on the tights. He was the manager with, with the Infernos, and I was uh, partnered with uh, – George Becker was the booker at the time, and Johnny Weaver, and they were the top uh, babyface tag team. And we set a attendance record, at least at that time, for a Christmas show in the old Charlotte Coliseum uh, with Whitey Caldwell um, against the Wright brothers, uh, Ron and Don, in uh, Knoxville. We won fact still uh, for wrestling in the outdoor amphitheater at Chilhowee Park, which is where they hold their fairs. Uh, there's been more money drawn by wrestling there, but we still hold the attendance record, and that was that was done in uh, 1969 for an out, uh, for a, a wrestling wow. show wow. in the amphitheater at Chilhowee Park, um, and also in Knoxville, I, I, I was um, I did a a match with Danny Hodge. I think that was in '75, and we went we went to a draw. They gave us five more minutes. We went. We nobody could get a winner. We went five more after that, no winner, and they flipped a coin. The deal then was Kenny Mantel um, was the junior heavyweight champion, and the deal was, of course, uh, Danny had been the former title holder, and the winner of our match was going to get a shot with Mantel. Anyway, on the flip of the coin, Danny got the win, but, but we put in a strong seventy minutes. So, wow. Okay, no doubt. Um, now, outside of, outside of professional uh, wrestling, um, you've done uh, numerous things. You've you hosted shows. You've been an announcer. Um, you've worked as, as a, a production assistant producing um, with various promotions, Mid-Atlantic, Southeastern Championship, um, Georgia Championship Wrestling. Um, you know, you worked with, with the likes of, of Lance Russell, uh, a young JR. Um, we've ran a couple interviews, um, and it says you've been credited with introducing concepts that are still being used today behind the scenes. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you feel your legacy is behind the scenes, not as a performer, but, but as know, somebody backstage, um, and then what that means to you? Well, you know what? Anything that I've accomplished in this business it means a lot to me. You know, I, I feel, I feel blessed. Well, you mentioned I've been blessed to work with the greatest commentators of all time. I have shared microphones with Gordon Soley, Lance Russell, Bob Cottle, Ed Caprell, Charlie Platt, and, and Jim Ross. And that, to me, is the cream of the crop. Charlie Platt, maybe a lot of people have never heard. Charlie uh, did the Gulf Coast uh, TV out of Dothan, Alabama, and was obviously never worked outside of there. He was a, a DJ, a country DJ, drive time uh, on a, a country station in Dothan. But Charlie was a good commentator as well. Um, you know, I... I I don't know what what to say about my, you know my legacy. Uh, we developed some things with television uh, in 1975 or 74, excuse me, when Ron Fuller bought the Knoxville territory. Uh, he gave me carte blanche to build a TV show. He said, "I know nothing about television, and I want you to put together a, a fresh TV show." So we started doing things there. That had never been done in the past. Now, I know here in recent weeks they, they've shown, like in the tag matches on Raw, um, the guy in the corner reaching and so forth. We use the split screen. Uh, you know, your, your baby face that's doing the selling is trying to fight to the corner, and our director would split the screen and show the guy, his partner, also reaching and, you know, to add a little more drama to it. 
I, I initiated okay. a thing. I initiated a thing called personality profile, which uh, every a lot of the old timers said it won't work. You can't do a sit-down, low-key interview in the middle of your show. You'll lose your momentum. But we didn't, and, and of course, then the sit-down interviews got to be more common. And uh, but we, this was all a pre-recorded thing. We talked about wrestling. We also, you know, would ask uh, whoever we put on the, you know, in that five-minute segment, uh, you know, their background, school, uh, interesting hobbies, and that sort of thing. We trying to give more depth. And part of my reasoning for that was it's like NASCAR. You know, if, if you're a a fan of a particular driver, chances are you drive the makeup car that, that he races. So th- there's that bond as well. And we found out with doing this personality profile that a lot of fans, you know, it drew the fans in uh, closer to some to the people that they uh, got behind, the wrestlers they got behind because, you know, hey, we've got the same hobby or we went to the same school or, you know, uh, that sort of thing. So there was more, and believe me when I say this, I wish that instead of three hours of nonsensical comedy, that Raw would do, you know, uh, give more depth to their performers because all you see there is, you know, the surface. What they do on Monday night, you don't know if they they do anything else or not. But anyway, those, you know, a couple of things with television that have become common that we did first. With magazines, uh, when I did the Mid-Atlantic magazine uh, for the Crockett's, uh, you know, we, we did the first all-color magazine. We did the first to use the uh, quality slick paper. Uh, we are the only magazine then or ever that had our uh, had an artist do the covers, uh, a theme. Whoever was going to be our, our on our cover, we had an artist that, that you know, did the drawing and, and did it with a theme. Uh, like with Wahoo McDaniel, for example, we had the uh, – it was done in the colors of the Miami Dolphins, which was the last team that Eddie uh, played for. And uh, we had the, you know, an Indian uh, war shield. We had the Dolphins logo. We had him hold, you know, with his headdress on, hold the football helmet and in, in, in under his arm and that sort of thing. So, uh, and uh, we were the first to do that. We did the only NWA magazine period in the story that was done in the 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, or up to up to current. Uh, we put one edition together. Uh, you, in the Crockett office, uh, we were the first wrestling magazine to do a centerfold, a theme centerfold, like say Ricky Steamboat at the beach with a surfboard, that sort of thing. Sure. So, um, yeah. So you know, I'm 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 proud of all that. What will it get me? I I don't know, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I'm I. I feel blessed that I was given the opportunity to do these things. And, of course, I did some booking. And as you mentioned, you know, producing a television, but also did, uh, well, I played both sides of the microphone. I did color or I did play-by-play, just depending on who I was working with. Okay. Now, beyond wrestling, you got into the bodybuilding scene in the late 80s, early 90s, and uh, placed in the top three in 11 of the 14 competitions you entered. Um, Can you tell us how training for bodybuilding differs from the training for wrestling wow you know that i was working um i was working with bodybuilders and i decided uh late in life well part of it was i guess i needed something for an adrenaline rush you know i hadn't i hung up my wrestling tights after 20 years uh 1980 and uh, so I, i moved back here to cincinnati in 85 and uh started working in the gym business and and uh 
you know, working with a, a trainer named John Perillo, uh, working with pro bodybuilders and, and, and high-level amateurs. Well, so I decided at age 46, I just I wanted to do one show uh, just to see, you know, just to see if I could do it. And, and, and that, you know, I think I'm, I'm teaching other people. I'm working with other people. I want to do one myself. And, of course, one turned into 14 shows up until the age, age 54. Uh, the difference is that when you're uh, preparing for a contest, you normally, you know, uh, start about 16 weeks out from show date. And in that 16 weeks, you, it's a 24-7 thing. It's how you eat, how you sleep, how you train, um, your mental attitude. I mean, all that comes into play. You know, you can, you can be in the greatest shape of your life, and if your nervous system uh, creates a problem on the morning of a show, you, you know, your body might start to hold fluids, you know, and smooth you out. So you're not, you know, it's an amazing, I mean, you're, you're dealing with uh, minute differences in your diet that drop body fat, but yet maintain uh, muscle. Um, it's, uh, you know, after getting, step, you know, uh, the morning of the first show I ever did, uh, stood in front of the mirror and I looked and I said, oh my God, <laughs> I finally, I did this. But uh, it's, you know, it, it takes focus. Uh, I don't know that, uh, you know, it became easier uh, as I went along, obviously. But that first one, you know, having trained other people, but then doing it myself was just, I thought, wow, man, this is, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, you, you really have to just live it. And, uh, well, you know, but a lot of that's the same with, it should be with the wrestling business. And, of course, today it's not. But. Uh, you know, it, it should be the, the major focus of your life if you're going to be a good professional wrestler. Sure, absolutely. Now, uh, kind of transitioning away from, from what you were doing to actually training other wrestlers, um, you started training uh, wrestlers in 1995, um, and you honestly have since graduated some of the top performers um, in, in wrestling today. Um, and we're just going to pull a few names from the Wikipedia page uh, Matt Stryker, Shark Boy, B.J. Whitmer, uh, Shannon Moore, uh, Rosie and Umaga, Nigel McGinnis, um, Dean Ambrose, who, uh, of course, we will, I'm sure, see tonight. Uh, when we're watching Raw, we'll talk about him Thursday, um, see him on SmackDown. Uh, Jamie Noble, Elix Skipper, who I think was a fantastic wrestler. Um, and just a few weeks ago, we actually had Mary Elizabeth Monroe on our show. And they talked very, very highly of you. Um, could you give us a taste of, of maybe what someone goes through when they train with you? Um, and and lesson-wise, like what's the most important lesson that you would be able to teach a first-time wrestler entering one, of, entering one of your rings? Well, you know, to me, it's not a time element thing. You know, I know I, I, I see people saying, well, uh, you'll come to my school for eight weeks or you'll do this. Well, now Lance Storm does a, a, a time period, but they train every day and they train all day, uh, mm-hmm. which if, if you can – dedicate yourself like that then there's a possibility and obviously lance has got a couple kids that are in developmental and and doing really well um to me i don't look at time to me it's about details you you know i've got a young man that's going to start with us uh tomorrow night and he will just first thing he's going to learn uh what forever whatever time that takes is how to take a, a bump properly to tuck his chin to keep his base of his spine from hitting how you know how to attack the mat, I'll take a front bump and a back bump and and that sort of thing and and graduate slowly. I, I think 
the biggest problem I see is a lot of pseudo trainers, and there's a there's there's a handful of, of seriously legitimate good trainers in this country, and there is a million guys who can teach you what they know, but they don't know a lot, sadly enough. Um, but to me, it's all in the details. It, it's it's repetition. It's doing the things over and over and over again. Um, Eddie Guerrero. <clears throat> when um, when he and Vicky were separated and WWE had, had let him go for a period of time, he came and lived in Cincinnati and helped me train kids. And uh, I call them the Guerrero Rolls, but it be, would be hard to explain to you exactly what I'm talking about. But his father, Gory, made his sons learn perfect these roles before he would even allow them in the ring, which the roles are to do with balance and coordination and that sort of thing. Uh, so I'm I'm heavy on details. I've heard, believe me, I've heard some of the horror stories. Actually, I started training guys in '93. I was training for uh, for somebody else other than, other than myself. Uh, we uh, HWA uh, Les Thatcher's uh, main event pro wrestling camp began actually in '95, but I started training guys in '93. Uh, but it's uh, some of the horror stories. Like I had a guy almost 300 pounds come to me one time and say. Uh, he went to such such school, and uh, the first day they had him trying to do moonsaults. He didn't know how to take a bump, didn't know how to lock up, but he had him trying to do moonsaults. I've had guys walk in and say, you don't do chair shot practice? What what the hell is chair shot? Well, I went to this place, and they had the guy stand there, and they beat him over the head with a chair. I, I mean, you know, the crazy stuff like that goes on all wow. the time. Wow, yeah. You know, and, well, you know, here's the thing, and I, I'm probably going to step on somebody's toes, and if I do, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know every trainer or every person that claims to be a trainer, but I know this. Virtually every independent has a school, and every independent has a trainer. Um, but what, you know, again, you can teach what you know, but you can't teach what you don't know. I played high school basketball, Okay. So at that, I can show you something, and well, probably not anymore because that's been too many years ago, but I can show you something <laughs> at that level. But Larry Bird's not going to call me and ask my advice, nor can I get you ready to go to the NBA or even to a high-level college basketball because I've never been there. And any, right. anybody that's trying to train you that has never been where they, you're, you're wanting to go, they, they can show you something, but they can't. If they haven't experienced it, it's tough to understand it. I guess is the best way to say it. And uh, so I'm about all the de- I'm about psychology and about the details. I'm not about the crazy bumps. It's not about how much you do. It's about doing the right thing at the right time to to get the proper re- uh, response. And uh, okay, go ahead. Sure. Sure. Now we have uh, we have Mary Elizabeth Monroe on. We just recently spoke to uh, to Gene Snitsky. Uh, we're very actually active in, in our local independent scene around here. Um, and then to your point, you can tell the people that have had really serious training, and then you can tell the people who have just had training from somebody that owns a ring. And, and they stick out like sore thumbs when they're in the ring with somebody that had really good training. Sure, sure. Well, you know, part of this is uh, <clears throat> when – Excuse me. When Harley Race and Ricky Steamboat and I, we <clears throat> we did a training manual together. I don't know if you knew that or not. <clears throat> called the Professional Wrestlers Workout and Instructional Guide. It was put out by Sports Publishing LLC uh, in 2005. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, or, or maybe before that. I'm, I don't. I don't remember. But I, it, it, yeah, to around 2005. Anyway, it's out of print now. But Harley and Ricky and I started doing camps together. Actually, how Harley and I started, I'd wrestled Harley back as early as 1963, but we started uh, doing camps together at Cauliflower Alley Club in Vegas. And we just worked, and then it turned into Ricky joining us, and we started doing camps together. And the thing that we were fighting, you know, we had trained people ourselves, so that was kind of a... Uh, you know, we knew what we turned out or, or what we didn't turn out, you know, because, I mean, let's, let's face it, if you don't have the physical qualities or some semblance of uh, coordination, balance, leverage, and athleticism, I don't care who's teaching you, you, you know, everybody's not going to turn out to be uh, the next Steve Austin or the next uh, Shawn Michaels or whoever. Uh, but once we started working with guys who had come out of other schools, uh, we became, I mean, there was times you became horrified. I know one of Harley's favorite expressions when you'd ask a kid uh, initially, uh, how, many, how long have you been in the business? And they'd say five years, and you'd see him in the ring for about two minutes. And Harley said, did he say five minutes or five years? <laughs> he said five years, but he should have said five minutes. Uh, but, yeah, that's, you know, it's, um, you do know the difference. The sad thing is, back when I broke in, you were either in or you were out, right? There were no hobbyists. And, and okay. I, I know some of these uh, young guys say, well, they don't, I'm not a hobbyist. Yes, you are. <laughs> if you're not doing this, you know, full-time for a living. And I realize there's, it, that's a different, there's no territories. But uh, the, the people, well, like Mary Elizabeth, you know, let's use her as an example. She works her rear end off for me. I mean, she trains as hard as the guys do. She's enthusiastic. She wants to learn. Uh, she'd come in and train every day if, if that were possible. Uh, but... And she wants to move up. She wants to be better, she, you know. But there are times she's going to have to work with people who are hobbyists, who don't care if they're good. They just play at it. It'd be, it's like if the three of us uh, rented a golf cart on Sunday and, and bought a, a, a case of beer and, and went out and hit the ball around. We know we're not ever going to play with Tiger Woods or any of the top golfers, and we don't care. And right. the sad thing is on the independent level, I don't know. I, I don't know a percentage. I'm gonna, but I'm gonna guess off the top of my head, sixty percent or more of the kids on the Indies today are in that category. So if you are wanting to go to TNA or Ring of Honor or WWE or or Japan or you know or, or, or move up to better yourself or or to you know be able to make a living uh, as an indie wrestler, uh, these people are a detriment. They're actually a roadblock to you. You know, I can't tell you that when I do the, the camps that I do, um, I'll get emails from kids saying, well, Mr. Thatcher, I really wanted to do what you taught me, you know, when we were uh, did the weekend camp. I want to use your, your ideas and your methods. Uh, but some of these guys, they just don't want to. But it's easier to be a screw-up clown than it is to be a quality. When I mentioned Buddy Rogers, but people like Rogers or, or uh, Terry Funk or, or – Harley Race, or, you know, or, or Pat O'Connor, guys, these were artists. These were artists, in our, and our business is an art. Uh, and these guys were artists. And today, it, I see so many, you know, uh, guys who just play at this, and, and that creates a problem for those who want to be serious. No, that makes sense. I, uh, I totally, totally understand that. Um, kind of, I guess, the last question I have for you from, from your training days. Um, just Are there any funny stories? I mean, it's kind of very open-ended for you. Any funny stories or interesting stories 
that you have from your training career that you'd like to share with us and our listeners? You mean when I was training? Yeah, or, or when you were training somebody else. Uh, wow, you know what? Uh, not really. And that's not because I I do have a sense of humor, believe it or not. But uh, no, I, I well, you know, uh, maybe I I tease Nigel about this all the time. You know, uh, there, there is a guy who I just so admire and respect, and have become more respectful, and we become closer all the time. He helped me book a tournament in L.A. a couple years ago. Uh, we worked together in these Charlotte camps the last two years. Um, and I and I watch him, and he's an ex, he's an extension to me. You know, it's, it's funny. I, he'll he'll get crazy about a detail that's not being uh, taken care of, and uh, he'll see me. I say, "What do you like?" I said, "I don't have to. I don't have to be less saturated anymore. You're being less saturated. You're doing it for me." <laughs> but Nigel, you know, realized Nigel could only get a six month visa at a time, so he. We first met. He sent me a letter. I sent him back a brochure. He was at Kent State up in the north central part of Ohio, and so he and a couple of his college buddies came down to the to the gym, and uh, I could just I mean, did I know he was going to be good? I didn't know. And anybody that tells you that they, they just sense that they're uh, they've got a better smell than I do. Uh, but I could tell how excited he was about wrestling when he we just standing in the ring, you know. And uh, he said, as soon as I've got one more year of university back in England, and then I'm going to come train with you. Well, guys, if I, if I had a dollar for everybody who said they were going to come train with me, I'd be living in the Bahamas, for Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so sure you are. Sure you are. You're from England. Sure you are. But he showed up, you know, but he could only get six-month visa. And at the time, he didn't trust any of the schools that he lived near in England because obviously the training was mediocre at very best. Uh, but he sacrificed so much, uh, and he was like 175 pounds probably when he came to me. And we started to, he would, uh, I mean, he, I had a friend of mine, uh, Mike Ferguson, who owns a gym just a little north of Cincinnati, a weight room. And he's as serious about that weight room as I am about the ring. If you're not bringing your A game, don't bother to come. But he, uh, Nigel trained his butt off, and the way he'd eat, I mean, he always Tupperware with rice and chicken, Tupperware with rice and chicken. I, you know, is that fork fixed to your right hand? Uh, but the story I'm going to tell is is that we we always had a Christmas party, and um, one, the the one year that Nigel was here for that Christmas party, he realized he'd have to go back to England and then get another visa and come back again. And so he went. I mean, it took him longer to get started simply because of that. But anyway. At the Christmas party, everybody brought some sort of covered dish, and B.J. Whitmer and, and, his, and his girlfriend at the time brought a couple of roast chickens that they'd bought at, I don't know, Kroger's or one of the supermarkets. And so uh, we're walk, I'm walking around, and Nigel has pulled a chair up to the ring apron, and he's got one of those chickens. He's got his elbows out, and he's got a knife and a fork, and he's killing that chicken. <laughs> And if you'd have stuck your hand in there to, to get to try to get some, he probably would have stabbed you. But uh, he was, uh, you know, it was just is uh, you'd have to have been there. But I mean, that was uh, the way you know his eating habits. Uh, but it was just how bad he wanted things, you know, and and what he do, uh, gave of himself and and uh, how much effort he put forth into becoming the great wrestler that he became. It just uh, saddened me that, you know, his career was cut short the way it was because 
Lord knows uh, he had a lot to offer. Yeah, and that is probably a shame. That's funny story. I, you know, um, I, I, gosh, I, I, I'd like to give. I can tell you probably some funny stories from years ago, but. <laughs> and, and some of the some of the funny stories aren't aren't uh, good for mixed audiences. So. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, I understand that. Everybody says, "Tell me a road story." So some of the road stories aren't good for they aren't rated pg but they're funny anyway <laughs> now you kind of touched on this earlier um what are your feelings on the independent wrestling scene currently um you know we talked about the guys that don't have enough training do you think that involving them is kind of hurting wrestling overall or do you think that it, as long as there's wrestling it's a good thing no, I, I, I think, you know, everybody says, how do you improve the, the independent scene? I said, it's, it's simple and it's hard all at the same time. The simplicity of it is the quality workers don't work for promoters that run a bad show or don't know how to run a show or have, uh, you know, uh, unsafe rings and bad equipment. And the good promoters don't book guys because they're their brother or their cousin or because they sold more tickets than anybody else, but book them only if they're good talent. Um, you know, it's I, and when I say this, it's not that I take it's not a personal issue, right? Because a kid's not a great wrestler. I've got I've got a son and a daughter. Neither one of them are wrestlers, and I love them to death. I mean, I'm not I don't look down my nose because you're not a great wrestler. But I think it's detrimental to our business just to allow anybody in the ring that, that you know, uh, that wants to be there. Uh, this is not little league baseball where everybody needs to gets a chance to play. You know, it's a business, and it should be treated as such. And sadly enough, there I say there are promoters that have no clue how to promote, trainers that don't know how to train, and guys who call themselves wrestlers that um, I'm not sure what to call them, but. They're certainly not professional wrestlers in the, in the strictest sense of the word. So, yeah, I, I think it's detrimental to the business. Uh, and, and, you know, here's another problem. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we just did this big four-day uh, four camp in Charlotte back in August. And my dear longtime friend Jerry Briscoe, who's probably the only uh, scout for WWE that's actually on their payroll in this day and age, one of the first things he told those kids that came to this camp was I don't care about seeing your high spots. I want to know if you can wrestle. And I think the, the misconception that so many young independents get is they'll watch Monday night. Okay, I'll get a trombone. Don't. Uh, you know, Xavier actually knows how to work, believe it or not, uh, although you, you can't tell it on WWE. Um, you know, everybody thinks, well, I'll do, what, I'll do what I see on television, and that'll get me a job. No, it won't. Because they want to know if you can work, if you understand psychology, if you know how to sell, if you know how to, uh, to they want to see facial expressions, body language, and then if they want to make, you know, and my, my, my stance with the young people is, look, learn the proper foundation and fundamentals that this business is based on, and those haven't changed. I don't give a damn if 50 years or, or 150 years, the fundamentals and the foundation are all still the same. Now, mm -hmm. If somebody gives you a contract for six figures or seven figures and wants you to be a, a act a fool, forget everything about an act a fool. It's a business. Take the money, you know. Sure. You know, but but you may want to go. You, you know, the the thing of it is too. Uh, you know, those contracts. Vince isn't given life lifelong guaranteed contracts. 
So you may want to, you, you know, after you've done what he has you do, you may want to go somewhere else. And you may need to know how to work. Whoops. All I know how to do is be a clown. So the, mm-hmm. the point is, whether you're entertained by Raw or you're not entertained by Raw, the point is, if you want to get there, you want to learn to work first and, and the proper art of this business because they'll make you into whatever it is they want you to be. Sure. Um, speaking of WWE, what's your take on what they're doing in NXT right now? NXT is a better show. It's, it's better matches. Mm-hmm. The uh, the whole diva revolution thing is just uh, they they can't see the they can't see the leaves for the trees. Uh, the girls yeah. from NXT are all great workers. I say great, you know, uh, Sasha and Becky. That match they had a few months ago. I I mean they were using stuff that we used back uh, when I was working. Short arm scissor, and they're using wrestling holes. They're they're building wrestling. The problem with the divas that are on that were at Raw when these girls came up is that. With the exception of uh, Natalia, none of them can work. Yeah, they're good looking, but they can't work. So the Diva Revolution is not working either. You know, unless you weed weed them out. Um, you know, it's uh, well. I think I think the ratings and the house shows are down. Our business is down, which is not a good thing. And I don't see a major. Uh, revolution, you know, where the, like another influx of the Monday Night Wars or, or the Attitude Era or anything like that. I don't see it in the near future because the way they're booking everybody um, is kind of everybody. There are no super. There's not the way they're booking guys. They're not going to be another Shawn Michaels. They're not going to be another Steve Austin. There's not going to be another Bret Hart because everybody. Well, look at what they've done with Owens, right? Owens comes in and looks like he's going to he kills Cena. Looks like he's going to kill everybody. And now he's a mid-carter. Yeah. You know, they go backwards. Instead, years ago, if you came into a territory fresh and we knew we were going to push you, you started by beating some guys in, in the lower matches, preliminaries, and then you worked your way up. And it's almost now like we bring you in, you start at the top and work your way down. Um, and I know they don't look at it as a wrestling business. They look at it as entertainment and so forth and so on. But the found, as long as there's a ring... Uh, there's, you know, the foundation should still be taught the same, and I, I think with NXT, that's exactly what you're seeing. You're seeing the influence of good workers, guys like Terry Taylor, who's down there, uh, Steve Regal, you know, guys like that who actually know how to work. And uh, I, honestly, you know, uh, over a year over a year ago, uh, Lance Storm said, "You you need to watch NXT. He said, it's really more like a wrestling show." Yeah. And, yeah. And he's right. <laughs> when I finally got around to watch that, I thought, wow, this is cool. Well, uh, you know, there's some kids there that I've had the opportunity to work with. I, I think Johnny Gargano's maybe going to get a shot there. Johnny uh, worked a tournament for me in L.A. a couple years ago, and is a hell of a little hand. He's a Cleveland, Ohio boy, too. Uh, Sammy Callahan is down there. I forget what name they've got Sammy hooked up with, but... Uh, uh, he, you know, I got a chance to work with him from uh, the get-go, and he's turned into a hell of a worker. They got some good hands, and uh, the problem is, that, you know, they—I don't know—they they tr- micromanage. And, and what made great wrestlers years ago, uh, you know, it's it's like, can you pro- can you cut a promo? I don't know. If I write a script for you, we'll never know. You know, you got to wow. let things kind of evolve themselves and then shape them as you go, you know. 
and they're not doing that. They're micromanaging. They're they're establishing characters. Jimmy Cornette hates the word characters, but that's exactly what they're doing, and it doesn't work all the time. You know, Roman Reigns got a great look. I, I, I saw so much potential, and, and I said when when the uh, when those three guys popped up on Raw, I said these guys have got rock star looks. They're young. They're kicking butt, which is what the young people like. They they're you know they're kind of uh, rebels to a degree, mm-hmm. and uh, they're gonna they're all gonna get over as great baby faces. Well, uh, Dean did. Uh, Seth can. Roman could have. But, you know, part of it is, I think, they some of the hokey promos they put on this guy. I mean, I've yeah. never heard a badass say, suffering succotash in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't picture Harley Race saying, well, suffering succotash. <laughs> right, right. Even, even know, believe and, that. You know, and, and, of course, you guys have heard this. It's been beat over the head. Uh, everybody's, you know, you. why are the great promos of years ago dusty? Uh, Flair, uh, Mul- uh, Mulligan, all those guys, they were just being themselves. Nobody wrote for them, you know, and uh, that's the problem with our business today. It's too micromanaged, and I'm trying to make you into something that I don't even know who you are to begin with. Sure. Now, uh, some of the other independents, we, TNA is hard to touch upon. Are, are, have you watched any Ring of Honor? Uh, and what are your takes on, on the way they're presenting professional uh, you know, wrestling? I, I, of course, BJ's there. And, I, you know, I've had a chance to work with some of the guys there. Um, I'm not a big fan of Dalton Castle, excuse me. Uh, I, that's a turnoff for me. Uh, what I mean is a turnoff. I, I, the, the, the whole gay or urban male or whatever the hell, you know, the terminology is today, that's not the turnoff. The thing that, that turned me off initially was, first of all, they put him with, uh, uh, yeah, with Lager and put Lager in a comedy match. To me, if I were booking, I would never put Lager in a comedy match because yeah. he's, he's a legend. And, and how often do I have him on my shows in this country? Sure. Not very damn often. But the thing that blew me away with that was uh, in the middle of the match, Lager's out on the floor, and Castle invites his little lackeys or whatever whatever the hell their terminology is for those twins to come in, and they pose in the middle of the match. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand gimmicks. I've seen gimmicks for 55 years plus. But to me, the gimmick is before the first bell rings and after the last bell rings. It's not in the middle of the match. And with, you don't do that to Jushin Lager. You just don't. Uh, it's, well, it's definitely lacks some respect. There's, Roddy Strong is a hell of a worker. It was sure. Nakamura the last time that the Japanese guys were in that Roddy worked with Nakamura. I've seen some of the best wrestling matches on that show. Him and Kyle O'Reilly, him and Pepper Parks, who I trained, and not because I trained him, but because they had a hell of a match. Uh, he and Nakamura. Um, you know, it's my my biggest complaint about ROH is uh, everybody's trying to outdo everybody else, and it's spot, spot fest. And, and once you get on the floor and start to fight, um, the referee st- doesn't count at all. You can count to 9,881, and everybody's still on the floor. Um, it's too much of the same thing over and over again, and our business shouldn't be that. I, I, you know, if you, if you want a, a template uh, or a model 
if you go back to when Kevin Sullivan, during the first part of the, the Monday Night Wars, when Kevin had the Lucha's doors, he had the cruiser weights, he had the heavyweights. And so your, your show, your uh, WCW show, was a mixture. There was something for everybody, but it, everybody wasn't being the same. A uh, quick story there about Ring of Honor, which happened in the first year they were in business. I mentioned Eddie Guerrero being here in Cincinnati, and uh, Gabe uh, Sapolsky had uh, called Eddie to book him. And, of course, Eddie or I, neither one, you know, knew what Ring of Honor was about or, or anything about it. It was brand new. So, anyway, when he came back from the sh- uh, that show, uh, we got a chance to talk, and I said, uh, how did that thing go? He said, well, it was okay. He said, you know, they had me booked on a sixth match, and they were taping it, so uh, there was a, mo- a monitor in the dressing room, so I got to watch the matches. He said, by the fourth match, I thought, well, I'll just put my clothes on and go, go home because anything I've ever done or considered doing has been done six times already. Mm-hmm. And that's the that kind of never mind what Eddie said about Ring of Honor in his first year. That's kind of about our business this year. Yeah, it's it's too much of the same old. You know, I mean this. Uh, well, you know, you go to your diva fini- uh, the twin switch last Monday yeah. night. Mm-hmm. If that if that if 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 they had never done it, if they had saved it. If they hadn't used it in matches that were meaningless and they just did it for, um, because they couldn't think of anything else or because they, uh, for whatever reason, but it comes down to she's breaking a record and she finally found somebody that she cannot beat and then her sister, then they make the switch and it's the one and only time they, they would have got a humongous pop. Yeah. But nobody cared because you'd seen it over. Guys, here's the deal. I don't know if you're married or you're single or got girlfriends or boyfriends, whatever. But uh, with young people, sometimes if you use sexual analogies, you get their attention a lot faster than if you just use technicalities. <laughs> and, you know, it's like this. You remember the first time you saw your wife or your girlfriend naked. Do you remember the thousandth time and you don't even have to bother to answer? I know the answer. No. Because it becomes complacent. You know, it becomes the experience isn't heightened the more you see it it's lessened and there is in lies the problem with our business across the board pick pick wcw uh, i mean wwe pick ring of honor pick tna pick whatever you want and you've seen virtually everything they do uh, over and over again and it's not that we didn't do things the same thing more than once years ago you just didn't do it the same thing every week the same thing every every other month. You give the people time to forget what you know something that really worked. You save it and bring it out again when it means something. Am I preaching? No, you make a, a really good again. point with that. Uh, and I just just out of curiosity, uh, we, you were talking about Jim Cornette a little bit. You brought him up. Um, he's been pretty vocal about somebody like the Young Bucks, who is very kind of spot wrestling, I guess. Then I don't um, have to get uh, uh, then I don't have to get vocal about them. Jim has said it. Okay, <laughs> and I agree. It's, it's okay. No, that's fine. That's that's kind of where I was going to head with that. Something like when you see a spot, it's amazing. But when you see a spot week after week, um, it just just becomes bland. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like elevator music, right? It's playing when you're on the elevator, but you pay no attention. You've heard it. I mean, it just it, it doesn't mean anything. Well, you know, I remember when uh, when uh, Terry Funk put Flair through the table. That's the first time I'd ever seen that. I popped. 
nine yeah. million table spots later, do I care? No. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, okay. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, but it's cheap, you know, and that's the other thing, too. Everybody's going for the cheap pop. Yeah. And it's easy, but it's, it's not sustaining. You know, it's not going to draw the people to come back again. Again, my sarcasm, you don't need to train with me. You don't need to train with anybody. Get a cheap pop, step in the ring, and drop your pants. Somebody will laugh, but they're not going to buy a ticket next week to laugh and watch you drop your pants again. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Um, one question we always like to ask the guests we have on. Um, you are booking a match against any wrestler, past, present, someone you may have already worked with. Um, who would it be and, and why? Let me say it would be Buddy Rogers because I never got the opportunity to work with him. In all my years in this business, we never crossed paths. I never actually got to shake his hand and say, you are the reason I'm in this business. And I would yeah. love to have worked with him, but we just were, I was never in a territory. We, he came to the Carolinas to help, you know, to work the deal with Flair after I had moved to Knoxville. And so yeah. I never got the opportunity to meet him. And now, there's a picture floating around out there somewhere uh, on the Internet. I've, uh, of course, I've got a, an 8x10 copy of it here of me when I was 12 years old taking with Buddy Rogers at Music Hall here in Cincinnati in the matches. And uh, but I never had the opportunity to meet him uh, when I was when I was you know when he was alive when I was working, and that would have been uh, I would have loved to have been able to have worked with Rogers. Uh, no two ways about it. And I worked with some. I worked with Flair. I worked with Pat O'Connor. I worked with Terry Funk. I worked. I worked with. I worked with. I worked. But I never got the opportunity to work with my childhood idol, and I would have loved to have done that. That, that's actually all the questions that I have for you today. Uh, honestly, we greatly, greatly appreciate your time. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add um, that maybe we didn't touch upon? Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to plug a few dates. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm doing some training at the uh, Christian Wrestling Association's warehouse in Hamilton, Ohio, which is part of Greater Cincinnati. And, and we're training there Tuesdays and, and Thursdays starting at uh, 6 a.m. or 6, 6 a.m., sure, 6 p.m. and, and 10, p, uh, 10 a.m. on Saturday mornings. Um, you can reach me if you're interested in that at less at epwt.com or lesthatcher at zoomtown.com. Uh, in a couple weeks, uh, I'm going to be at uh, in uh, Fall River, Mass. Uh, on Sunday, October the 4th, at the uh, Pal Hall, uh, there for uh, a one-day seminar. And if uh, anyone's interested in joining us there, they can go to the Lockup on Facebook or email H2O Ryan Waters at Yahoo.com. It's a one-day camp. There's a show the night before in Brockton, I think. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, October 23rd, 24th, 25th, I'm at the Monster Factory in Paulsboro, New Jersey. And if you're interested in joining us there, go to monsterfactory.org for more info or call Danny Cage, the owner, at 609-471-7904. And I am available, you know, to do weekend training camps and the email addresses that I just gave, less at epwt.com or less Thatcher at Zoomtown. Um, You know, you can contact me there. And I always love to go out and work with the young people. Fantastic, and you're you're also on Twitter, correct? I am on Twitter, yes. Although I don't know why, but I, <laughs> I don't know how to get very profound in 140 characters. I do two talk shows every week too. I, I, I do one with Mike Johnson, 
uh, PW Insider. Uh, we tape on Wednesdays. It usually airs there on Thursday. And I do one on the Observer Figure Four site with uh, Vince, uh, Vic Socia, uh, Doc Young's Wrestling Weekly, and that usually airs on Friday. So um, I'm immersed in this goofy business. Probably Fantastic. I'm going to say for another 50 years, I probably won't be alive another 50 years. But well, We're getting there. We're going to be pretty close with medical technologies. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure with the, the, with the way the world is. I want to be alive another 50 years. Yeah, true, true, true. Well, the rest well, of the world could use you for another 50 less. I'll just say that. All right. But I listen, I, I've enjoyed uh, talking with you guys, and we'll do it again sometime, okay? Absolutely, Les. Thank you so much for joining us uh, tonight. And, again, we will be airing this on Thursday, so if you want to check us out, uh, check us out at facebook.com slash 3 Thursday. You can find us all on there. Les Thatcher, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. EPWT.com, it's Elite Pro Wrestling Training. And, and the information I just gave you about these upcoming camps and seminars, that's also listed on the front page there. But you guys uh, enjoy Raw uh, tonight. And uh, thanks for having me, and let's do it again sometime. Oh, Les, thank you very much. You as well, sir. All right. Thank you, you guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, folks, that was Les Thatcher, the legend. Les Thatcher calling in with us. Matt, how fantastic was that? Some great stories to hear him talk about. Great stories, and just to get his take on, you know, wrestling today, you know, some of the stuff he was talking about, like the twin magic stuff, I mean, it, it's a wonder that this guy's not being used in creative somehow because, I mean, he's, I, I feel like he could put on a phenomenal show much better than what we've been seeing lately in the WWE. Yeah, and it's funny because, I mean, I think he, we, we've spoken a lot at great length. You know, if you go back a month and, and you listen to our shows about the Divas Revolution, and, and Matt, you wrote a great piece about the Divas Revolution um, and a great follow-up piece about Emma at NGSC Sports. You can check them out. That that he's saying a lot of things, you know, that, you know, and obviously we're not professionals in the business or anything like that, but a lot of people are seeing, um, and so to hear it coming from such a legend's mouth, um, you know, really solidifies all of our kind of feelings and angst toward the Divas Revolution that just isn't working. Um, you know, and even toward, and to a degree, spot wrestling, which, I mean, I'm a fan of. I do enjoy watching, you know, a Young Bucks match, you know, here or there, because after a while it just becomes very predictable. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, he just, I mean, he blew my mind with some of the stuff he was saying, and stuff that I've never really thought about, you know, what we're watching, and, you know, easy ways that they could fix it if they just invested a little time, so... Um, you know, it's one thing for you or I or Jim to, to spout off on what we don't like, and one like Les Thatcher, a legend in the business, is saying the same thing. It kind of validates our, our opinions. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. So, folks, that was it. That was Les Thatcher. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Um, by the time you're hearing this, it is Thursday night. Um, you listen to this on 3 Count Thursday. It's Facebook.com slash 3 Count Thursday. Twitter and Instagram, both at Three Counts Thursday. Your season-long fantasy football lineup is locked in and ready for action, but you don't have to wait till Week 16 to get paid. Put your fantasy skills to the test starting Sunday at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site where you could kick the season off by winning $2 million. 
It's the biggest fantasy football contest ever. $10 million in prizes are up for grabs, including $2 million for first place and $1 million for second. One-week fantasy means no season-long commitments. It's fantasy football on demand. Play where you want, when you want, with the players you want. Then, turn your love of football into a life-changing payday. Just pick up your players, pile up the points, and pick up the cash. That's it. You've never experienced football like this. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and use promo code SPREAKER to play for free for a shot at $2 million in the Week 1 Millionaire Maker. Enter SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Are you looking for a better and healthier pick-me-up during your day or before your workout? Give Neon Energy Drink a try. Neon provides a boost but without that unwanted crash and is formulated with natural sugars from 24% fruit juice concentrate, over 100% of six essential recommended B vitamins, and caffeine that is produced by natural green tea extract. So get a better boost from Neon Energy Drink today. Go to saradonafrio.bodybyvi.com and enter promo code 3941356 to place your order. This is Gigi from Tough Enough. Welcome back to Three Count Thursday. Welcome back to Three Count Thursday. Ryan and Jim here with you. Ryan, what a fantastic interview. I, I want to thank you and Matt for, for taking care of that uh, as I was unable to uh, when you guys recorded that. Just fantastic stuff. What a, I, That's what I'm going to have to go back and listen to at least like one or two more times just you know, to really get everything he said and, and really take in everything that he said in that interview. Yeah, Jim, it was uh, quite an honor, and I appreciate, uh, again, Les being able to sit down with us and have that conversation. I appreciate Matt, um, excuse me, joining me as well for that. Um, excuse me. Uh, Matt, Matt, we were kind of messaging each other uh, during the interview, listening to it, and Matt made a good point. The guy was just full of knowledge. Um, and like you said, to close the interview, you know, it's, it's shocking how in touch he seems with the business and what the fans really want and the pulse of the fans. That, that Matt, and, and I myself, am surprised that he's not a creative force maybe in the WWE or somehow hooked up with NXT because um, the guy just really has it. So thank you uh, again to Les Stats. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. I loved talking to him. Um, if the offer still stands, I'd love to have him back on the show in a year or two um, and just, you know, we kind of got his background information and just chat about the state of, of, of professional wrestling currently. Um, really dig into Ring of Honor's um, and TNAs and Global Force Wrestlings and the WWE and NXT and really get his opinions um, from where the wrestling business was to what the wrestling business is now and then how you can find a good balance with you know old traditional wrestling and, and chain wrestling and, and, and working moves and selling to spot fests and, and blending the two to a proper um, balance that people that everybody could really enjoy. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the guy just seems to have, out of at anybody we've ever talked to, be it on the show here or at a local show or anything, just, I mean, just an, uh, you know, uh, unending 
you know, a vast knowledge of, of everything professional wrestling. 55 years in the business. Unreal. Unreal. Yeah, I know he, he how he said about how if you add up yours and Matt's age, you know, you probably don't equal his. And it, like you said, it's close. Uh, you know, I just turned 30. You guys are only a year or two older than me. So, um, you know, the, it, it, it's it's not far off. And, and that's it's incredible. And I know uh, Mary Elizabeth Monroe, who's been on the show, has trained with him. Um, you know, I mean, the, the guy's experience is still impacting the business at, 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 I don't want to say the beginner level, at the independent level, you know, and with people that are working on getting into the business. So it's like, you know, it, it really is incredible that after all this time, he, he still, you know, is, is so active. And so, you know what I mean? It, it, he's just, he's great. And, and I, you know, definitely want to want to have him back, uh, back on the show again. Right. I mean, it just just even hear him talking about, it, like you said, we had Mary Elizabeth Monroe on the show. Um, we we featured uh, Cherry Bomb as our woman of the week, uh, who I think is is related, or I was dating uh, Pepper Parks, who's somebody that he has trained. So the more you know, in depth in the wrestling business, the wrestling world that we get um, on deeper levels of of independent wrestlings and then smaller promotions like a global force or something like that. Um, you know, just to see the impact that he has and just the way everything's connected and networked is the wrestling business as a whole. It's just really, really cool for us to, uh, to be able to experience that. So yeah, just thanks. Thanks again. Really. I can't say that enough that I was truly honored to be able to sit down and talk to such a legend of the business and somebody with such a great mind for professional wrestling like Les Thatcher. So I was honored, like I said, it was it was a total honor for me. Um, I could speak on Matt's behalf that that he was honored as well. So, Jim, thanks for not being able to make it. No problem. First of all, uh, maybe I have to do that more often. No, um, no. Again, it, it was it was awesome. It was a great interview. I, you know, I, like I said, I thank again you guys for taking care of that. Thank you to Les Thatcher for, um, you know, for for taking the time and 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 doing that as well. Uh, just just an awesome awesome thing for us. Uh, Ryan, this past Sunday um, was uh, Night of Champions. We previewed the show last week, and uh, you know, let's look at it. Let's look. Uh, I mean, I, I actually, till the, by the time I got settled in, I didn't actually see the uh, the pre-show match. Uh, we all predicted it correctly, though. Cosmic Wasteland getting the win. Uh, I actually, uh, you know, I can't speak much to the match itself, but I actually like, you know, from what I'm seeing here with Stardust, Connor, and Victor together. I mean, it, it kind of, um, you know, they're all kind of uh, larger-than-life characters, comic book characters, if you will, and I think it just kind of works for them. Yeah, I think we're finally seeing something that's working for the Ascension. Um, and then it's funny, if you pull up, we're, I, I, we kind of pull some of the results off the Wikipedia page to keep us going in the same direction. Um, the Wikipedia page lists them as the comic wasteland, Um the three of them, and then defeated Neville, and then the Lucha Dragons. It doesn't even have the Ascension. It just has Connor and Victor listed without right. the name the Ascension. So uh, maybe that's a good sign for them. Not that I want the dis- the Ascension to like disband or anything, but I uh, if they're gonna rock the makeup and the goofy outfit to the ring, hook them up with Stardust because it makes sense. Um, again, it makes sense that these guys would pick up the win on the pre-show. Imagine I didn't see either. I actually missed the entire pay-per-view. I had to go back and watch it um, starting at midnight. So 
it was a late, late night for, for Ryan personally. But uh, wanted to watch the show on a Sunday night. And, and not believe it or not, I knew zero spoilers going in there. I had to work that night, and I actually turned my phone off because I knew I was too weak to not look <laughs> at Twitter or the WWE app. I mean, it updates every match. Right. It gives you the little thing. So I turned my phone off completely, went uh, totally, like, social media dead wow. for, the like, the final six hours of my shift because um, I didn't want anything. I didn't want spoilers. I didn't want I tweets. I didn't want nothing. Time, I don't remember the last time I turned my phone off, right? I, I felt so disconnected. It was unreal. Um, I was a little bit like that uh, last like uh, last Saturday with the Notre Dame football game because I didn't get home uh, until it was like four thirty, so I was an hour behind. So I started watching on my DVR, and I li- but I literally put my phone and my iPad in my at, at my desk in my office, and then then went into my living room to watch the game till I got caught up. And then it, once I was caught up, I went and got my phone back. Sure, once you're back, back live. Because otherwise, I mean, it's just become a thing. It's just you're, sure it you is. always have the phone in your hand. So, um, I, I, you know, starting off the pay per view, Kevin Owens defeating Ryback, nine minute thirty two second match. Um, I didn't mind that they opened with this one. I actually thought, um, you know, they put a pretty strong physical match out there. Um, you're only going to get so much out of Ryback, and it's not. I'm not saying that to, you know, be insulting to him, but I think you know he he is what he is. He's not the most technically sound. He's not a high flyer. He, he's a strong. He's a strong hard worker. Um, you know, Kevin Owens is Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is great. And um, he picks up the win, gets the Intercontinental Championship. You start the night off with a title change. And quite frankly, um, you know, I think there is a lot of potential here for, um, for, for not only Kevin Owens with this run, but for the Intercontinental title to you know, be legitimized again. Oh, I'm sorry. I was actually typing that uh, Thursday night at 10.30 p.m. James Neese admits that Kevin Owens is great. I, just, I, I, I have had to never document, said he's I not. just had to document that. I have never said <laughs> that he is not good. I have two Kevin Owens shirts. Okay, you're right. You're I right. love Kevin Owens. All right. It's just a running joke. I know. It's just a running joke. So, don't need you to get all hot and bothered. I'm not. In your John Cena, the champion t-shirt. My champion t-shirt. Which, but, is, which is legit again. It is legit. It the, is but legit. I got it. Uh, I did not have it for Sunday. I, I received it in the mail on Monday. So, it, it, it was almost perfect timing. So, I have not owned this shirt while John Cena is not the U.S. champion. There it is. So, it's a very, very legitimate shirt. It is. Great match to start the pay-per-view. Kevin Owens going over on Ryback. I don't think anybody's really surprised here. No offense to Ryback. Um, he just, I don't think, did anything for the title um, to, to make the title anything better. I don't think the title made Ryback any better. We've talked about that at great length, right, so I don't need to really bring it up. Um, right, and maybe it's not Ryback's fault, but he is what he is. He's, he's just, he's right. He's kind of a new Mark Henry. You know, a solid, stable worker that just putting a belt on him doesn't do a lot for him and he definitely doesn't do anything for the title belt either. So uh, Kevin Owens, I'm excited to see what the Intercontinental Championship run of Kevin Owens is going to bring. Uh, I think the guy has deserved about for some time. Um, if, if it's not the U.S. Championship that he was battling with John Cena a few months ago, the Intercontinental Championship uh, can be legitimized 
and hopefully be a, a good number two or number three championship again in the WWE. Much like John Cena did with the United States Championship, Kevin Owens can do for the IC title. Right, sure can. And, and I hope he does. I really do hope he does. I saw today the MSG show, um, the next Saturday, airing on the WWE Network. Uh, it, it was always scheduled as Chris Jericho versus Kevin Owens. Uh, it is now an intercontinental title match. So um, I, I don't think there's any risk of Kevin Owens losing the belt to Jericho, but it, it just uh, this I think it's great that they are making that for the title. Um, th- we all picked that one right, I believe. Yes, I have the sheet here. Kevin Owens, uh, we all picked that. So um, we, we started the night two for two right out of the gate. Um, the next match, Dolph Ziggler defeating Rusev. 13-minute, 47-second match. Um, uh, Ziggler picks up the win. Ryan, you and I got that wrong. Matt got that one right. Uh, definitely a little bit of help this summer. The, the match itself wasn't terrible. The ending sucked. Um, but I'm just... I'm so over this feud that it took away from the match for me. Yeah, yeah, this feud's done. I'm done with the matches. I'm done. You know what this feud has slowly become? Randy Orton, Sheamus. Oh, yeah. That's what it's becoming to me. Um, I, I don't see an end to it, though. That's the problem. And, and I like Ziggler, and I like I like Rusev. Like I like them both. I think Ziggler's a great face, could be a great worker. I love Rusev as a heel. I'm just sick of seeing this match. Right. You know, and are we going to drag it out until Lana's wrist is better? Like, how long until she actually gets, you know, the green light to come back and, and, and get into a physical, you know what I mean? Oh, man. Like, I hope that's not the case. You have to inject something new here, and Summer Rae wasn't it. Sorry. No. Uh, sorry for, like, the six Summer Rae fans out there. Um, I think Matt's a Summer Rae fan. He is. He's one of the six. Oh, Okay. So there's uh-huh. five other ones out there. There's five other ones out there. Um, so you're saying Dana Brooke has more fans than Summer Rae? Right. At this point, Ryan, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility. Oh, no. <laughs> um, it, it, I feel like if Matt's listening, you're going to upset Matt. I, I, I'm, I, whenever Matt does hear this, I'm sure he, he will be upset about it. Um, he's not with us tonight. He's taking the night off and... and that you know that that's fine. We sure. we've all done that from time to time. So I uh, hope he is enjoying his Thursday night as we are uh, recording this. No, let's. I don't have anything else to say about that match. Nope. Move on. Move on. We've to already tag- talked too much about it. Honestly. Right. We just saw a tag team title match: the uh, Dudley Boys defeating the New Day by disqualification. So of course, the New Day uh, are still the WWE Tag Team Champions. Um, Nine minutes fifty-seven seconds uh, on the match. Actually, the second shortest match of the uh, of the pay-per-view. Owens Ryback actually the shortest. Um, but uh, you know, th- I-, I liked it. You know, and and I've said it before. I'll say it again, Ryan. I, I don't know. Are have you gotten on the new day train yet? Are you? Oh, full, full. You're on board now. I, absolutely. I, and it took me. Uh, it took me a little bit longer than most people, but the, it was the trombone. Really, is that, that's what it was that, that really sold me. The moment that, um, and I forget who they were even wrestling against, but uh, Big E 
putting the opponent up for the finishing move with Kofi off the top rope. And um, Xavier Woods was playing taps. Oh my God, that was that was that was it. That was the moment I lost it and then became an absolute New Day fan. The the moment in this match for me was when they were when uh, Biggie and uh, Kofi were in like punching Bubba Ray and. Xavier's outside playing. It was either Eye of the Tiger or the Rocky theme. And I'm like, right, this is the greatest thing. I, I don't know, you know, and maybe, you know, you can, you can let me know if I'm like over marking on this. This is like, this is probably the greatest thing the WWE has organically booked in like five years. Oof, like the yes movement stuff, I, I, like I, I know they like Daniel Bryan did the yes and the no, but I feel like the the whole yes movement, yes mania, all of that. I feel like we had a, a like play the, in that the, as fans. The, the fans had a part in that, but like, and I don't know if you watched the table for three. Fantastic! I watched that the other day. They just put a new one out. It makes too. me like these guys even more. But I feel like they went to the WWE with this idea, like they said. And they just said, you know, you know, let it go. And and they started them as faces. They turned them heel. And it, it, didn't it, didn't the crowd turn them heel though? Like really? Like, well, here's the deal: I, I like think, it came out, and they were like, we're like, this is going to be really fun. Like a well, the, the crowd sort of, booed them, but but like they kind of tweaked what they were doing for it to be for them to be heel. And now the crowd's cheering because I feel like everybody, you know, like at first. I even I, I even enjoyed it at first. Like See, I was at on first, board. It seemed weird to me. What's that? It seemed forced. It, it it was a little it was a little forced at first. Um, but but now it's you know they they just gotten into such a groove and it is it's incredible. It's just you know what I mean it is. It, so I I like the way this match was booked. Um. You make it look like the new day is going to lose. You you use that third member, um, right? You know, I, I we all picked the new day. You know, I said you know that that Xavier would interfere. I think we all picked the new day, as in the new day was going to retain. I, mean, I think I, that was the idea right, yeah, of it. You, that you said you, you said they were going to retain. That's what I said. Xavier would interfere. I thought they would. Xavier would interfere when the ref didn't see it, um, but. You know, Matt says someone go through the table, which they they did. So Ultimately, did Matt, right. you know? None of us got the result of the the actual result of the match right, but I think we all had the general idea that the New Day was going to walk out as the champion. Right, and this would start a feud, like yeah. a legitimate feud with the right, Dudley and Boys. it would right. continue. So, right. and and it, and it did. But but I think we can all get a half a point for that one. Like I think we were sure. all on the right track. I mean, sure. obviously, there's not there's, the points aren't even a, a thing. We don't even get points for this, for God's <laughs> sakes. But we should all get a half a point for that one. I think we're all on the right track. Right. Um, but I, I liked it. I like what they're doing with it. Let I me really tell you do. what I really liked about the Raw when New Day was out there with Rusev. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. But Xavier Woods with his trumbo and Summer Rae pulling the thing back and forth as Xavier was trying to play the slide. Did you notice that? And <laughs> yeah. she just had no rhythm to it. It was just like really quick back and forth motions. Just 
Yeah. I don't I don't know why it just it just had me laughing. Not 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 to make me a summer ray fan. <laughs> Nobody's just, a summer just, ray fan. Just saying. Um I, 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 it was a decent match. It was enjoyable it, match. It's fun, you know, and, and and it's good to see, you know, uh, it's good to see the, the tag teams feel it. You know, even though it was a shorter match, somewhat, um, it makes it makes tag teams feel important. It does. It really does, and I don't know because the new day hasn't changed. Is it the Dudley Boys that makes it feel that way? Like, and a lot of people have been bitching about bringing some people back, you know, for these upcoming Raws and stuff like that. And we, we were talking about ratings. We'll, we'll talk about that later that. in the show. Yeah. But does it feel more important because it's the Dudley boys? We've seen the New Day take on the Lucha Dragons and take on Los Matadors and take on the primetime players. And we've all kind of been like, the matches have been, ah, eh. doesn't really feel that important. They need some real competition. Ascension we thought could have been and it wasn't. So is the Dudley Boys what was missing in that, you know, same thing as the I'll New Age that. Outlaws. I mean, it was exciting to see them back last I'll, year. I'll say this. I'll elaborate on it later. Okay. Sometimes the injection of something surprising and in a way new is good. <laughs> it, it is good. And... and in this case, I think having the Dudley boys who have kind of reinvigorated, who had kind of been reinvigorated their career in a way, especially Bubba Ray as Bully Ray in TNA. Um, I think, I think it, it makes this more important, but we'll I, elaborate on some of that stuff with, I with, think you said it there really it was a surprise because right. nobody knew this. Like nobody, knew, nobody knew they were coming. They announced this whole big raw in Texas and that's what we're going to talk about later. Right. But but nobody knew this was coming. It was a, a huge surprise to a lot of people. I mean, it was very. I, I I knew nothing about it. I marked like crazy when it happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think the end game. Even if they do have a short title reign, the end game they'll end up putting over. You know, a team like the New Day or the Prime Time Players. Yeah, they're I, not going to carry the belts for a long time. No, and and when when. Somebody does win the titles from them, it will make that win more important as well. Correct. Correct. So, um, but yeah, I, I think it is more important. We'll elaborate. Spilling the beans about the the, the upcoming raw. Yeah, right. We'll, okay. we'll, yeah, we'll definitely touch on that. I, I think that's a big thing. Um, you know, that came out this week. Uh, this one here, Ryan, twelve minutes forty one seconds. The as my iPad glitches here. 12 minutes, 41 seconds, fourth, uh, no, fifth longest match on the card. But Charlotte, of course, with Paige and Becky in her corner, defeats Nikki Bella with Bree and Alicia Fox by submission, of course, to figure eight. The new WWE Divas champion. Um, solid match. I know, you know, everybody has, has their opinion about Nikki Bella. We've touched on that um, far, far too many times, probably, on the show. But... Um, I thought it was, I thought it was a really good match. I thought they, they put a lot of work in. Credit to both of them uh, f- for the work they put in, and uh, you know, good to see the title change hands. And, and and you know, as as we'll talk about on Raw, um, definitely a different feel to the to the Divas division coming out of this. Yeah, this was a good first step 
that is two months too late, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Charlotte winning the Divas Championship is a good first step. We will see, hopefully, the the dismantling of these three factions, Team Bad, Team Bella, Team uh, PCB, shortly, so we can have women facing each other in, in meaningful matches, not just team matches that, that don't mean anything, um, or, or gang up matches when the referee isn't looking, or the twin magic BS. Um, you know, even that Les Thatcher was, was bringing up, that, that you've, you've went to the well too many times with things like this, and that's what people are, are struggling with. So like I said, Charlotte winning, it was an okay match. I'm not going to call it a great match or anything. When you have people like, uh, you know, Charlotte or Becky Lynch, or Sasha Banks and, and Bailey, you know, in NXT, putting on great women's matches. I'm not going to call this a great match. It was an okay match. Um, you know, and not the crap on the Bellas, but the sooner they get out of the title picture, you know, and the sooner we see some some other blood in here, whether it be Becky Lynch or Paige or Sasha Banks, um, having matches on the main roster like they had in NXT, then we'll really start talking about the, the Divas Revolution. Um, but like I said, this is a, a really good first step to get us there, is, is, is getting the belt off Nikki. Now that uh, she broke AJ's uh, streak, and we don't have to talk about AJ Lee ever again, I'm mm-hmm. sure Vinnie Mac's fine with that. Yeah, and, and again, you know, as... I mean, uh, that is what it was. Unfortunate as it is, it is what it is. And again, she she's guilty by association. It's not right, but... I mean, that's business in 2015 America. You're right, and, and she was guilty by association, and it has now been removed, whether or not right or not. So, Right, yeah. It, and I, But again, we, we talked about last week how, what does, it, what does it really mean? Right, right, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Um, and if you didn't hear last week, I think the biggest thing we brought up was Honky Tonk Man. Yeah. You know, the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion. Right. But is never in the equation of the best Intercontinental Champion. Right. I mean, yeah. So does the length really, really mean anything at the end of the day? Apparently for this one it did. Uh, Nikki Bella, now the longest reigning Divas Champion, no longer the Divas Champion. It's Charlotte. Um, and, and I hope we will see. And, and I think Raw was a good second step. And we'll talk about that uh, when we cover Raw here in a few minutes. So it seems like it's, it's working in the right direction. God, I hope it is. Yeah, and and yeah, that we'll we'll definitely talk about that more when we get to raw uh, our raw recap in just a little bit. Um, we we all had picked this one. I think we all pretty much felt and rightfully so that this was the time for the change. Uh, Wyatt family defeating Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, and Ryan. Chris Jericho, the mystery partner, you telegraphed that one last week. Um, it feels good, Big Jim. Yeah, you got good. that one right, and it was so. It was, and I'll give Matt. I think Matt had that too. So I don't know. We we were kind of on the same page, but he didn't want to. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't want to take right. your idea. So yes, kudos to Matt as well. Um, it, Ryan, it took a lot for me not to text you. You were right. You were right, and I knew you were working, and and were not. You know, so I kind of had to. I kind of had to like tuck the phone away. Uh, for a little bit there, um, so I didn't do that. But uh, before this match even started, though, you had another moron 
uh, jump the barricade, end up in the ring. And, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this, but uh, in, in 2015, and Chris Jericho said if, if he was in the ring already by this point, the guy would have been dead. Um, I wish the WWE wasn't so damn PG and politically correct because what needs to happen is plain and simple. The next guy that doesn't needs to get his head knocked off. Absolutely. You want it, you want it to stop? Let the wrestlers actually defend their territory. You know, you're a hundred percent right. Um, you know, it's different. I guess a little different if they're in the crowd, like the whole CM Punk thing the other year. Um, it still doesn't make it right, but it's a little bit different. When you jump the barricade, when you make that decision, yeah, the guy's getting ten days in jail. He might lose his job because of it. But let let you know, have a guy ju- jump the barricade when Brock Lesnar's in the ring, and let Brock just tee off on him. You, how about how problem about, solved? How about the Big Show, and just slap him once, just right in the chest. You'll learn your lesson quick. Yeah, dude, it's it's stupid. I'm sorry. I have no no tolerance for it. And we, we were talking about it before we went on the air. You know, not only is is it stupid and you can get hurt, um, it's it's absolutely disrespectful to to the wrestlers. Um, and then, like Jericho said, like you're entering his house. You know, and and they should have the right to defend their house. And I get the the fear of any sort of. Uh, a lawsuit or anything like that. Um, but, you know, in a theater production, would you get out of your seat and run up on the stage during during a theater show? You know, if you go to the Rockettes up in New York City, do you run on stage and do high kicks with the Rockettes during their Christmas extravaganza? Right. You know, No, it's disrespectful. Like, have some freaking respect. Um, I hope they get, I hope the next guy gets his block knocked off. I really, really do. Uh, you know, I, want, I, I hate to see higher barricades or, or seats further back or, or something like that because a few idiots are going to ruin it for everybody. But I also think they need to do a better job with security, and I don't know if that means that. Like, cause I feel like you know the the on floor security is like when they're in Hershey, it's Hershey staff. When it's in Philly, it's Philly staff. When it's in you know. Oxnard, California, it's Oxnard, California staff. Maybe what the WWE needs to do is not hire, you know, 40 guys, but have five or six guys that are, uh, you know, look, look like they were in the old um, Ico Pro days, the, the old World Bodybuilding Foundation, uh, just pinpointed around the, around the, Front row area. Maybe I mean, maybe that'll be a few WWE guys there, though. I mean, what's that? There's got to be a few WWE guys. Like, Are there? I mean, and they're not nearly as. I mean, they're not intimidating anybody. Right. I, mean, I remember when I was in high school. Like I would think the WWE has a head or two of security that they would take. I'm sure they would some. partner with yeah, with J&J the venue. Security. That's the problem, right there. There it is. <laughs> there it um, is. And we haven't seen them in weeks. Uh, I remember in high school, Ryan. I went to I went to a, 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 a girls' basketball playoff game, and they had like a, they had like a rent a cop there, and the guy um, was like bigger than Bastion Booger. And I looked over, uh, and I was there with my dad, and I went, "Who the hell is he gonna stop?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Like 
I, I didn't think that like a girls basketball game was going to be, you know, the scene of a riot, but I'm like, if something breaks out or, or somebody wants to do something, um, really like who, who's he stopping? It, it, I mean, it, plain and simple, who, who the heck's he stopping? It, so he'd stop a lot of people. He ain't gonna chase nobody. But I think he would stop a few people. I mean, he he probably couldn't run me down. So, um, I mean, it's just it, it just. I think they didn't. You know, maybe you just need to have a couple of people that you know look the part of, of a security team. I agree. I totally agree. Put him in a in a black suit. Whatever you have to do, make him look intimidating. And and then let's get this crap under control because honestly I'm tired of talking about it. It's, yeah, it's stupid. yeah. Let's, it, let's it move needs, past it. It needs to stop. The, the, this match was was good. I enjoyed it. Um, I was a little, you know, I, I I could tell what Chris Jericho was going to do when he was lurking in the corner and Reigns is getting ready to do his uh, his finisher. Jericho tags himself in, ends up getting pinned. Uh, when the when the Shield members uh were, you know what was that all about? And he kind of walks through them and glares at Dean Ambrose. Um, I think that that's setting the stage and he kind of touched on it a little bit on his, uh, Wednesday podcast this week. So if you want to check that out, you can do that. Uh, talk is Jericho. And then he said, he's not going to be on TV anytime soon because, you know, I think the whole month of November, he's touring with Fozzie in Europe. So it's going to be a while till Jericho is, is on TV, but he goes, you know what? The, the, me doing that, you know, sets a story for when I'm on. And, you know, I, I know Matt and I message each other, you know, right after that moment. And, you know, people were kind of griping that it was Jericho. But I said, you know what? If we get a Jericho versus Dean Ambrose match out of this. Damn right. Um, okay. It, it, I'm totally fine with it. Anything even Jericho, Jericho Roman Reigns. Reigns can only learn from Jericho. I'm not saying the rub of, of having matches with Jericho is going to help Dean Ambrose. But anything that Jericho can do to help him, I'm sorry, or Roman Reigns, I'm sorry, um, to help Reigns could only help him. Like, it's not going to hurt Roman Reigns. The guy could use some help in promos and, and getting over with the audience. Sure, sure. Um, I thought the last time we saw Jericho, when he was battling against Bray Wyatt, those matches were top notch. In fact, we, I was pissed that the third match, the rubber match, was was blown on Raw and was not featured on a pay per view. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, but oh, um, yeah, yeah. we were kind of pissed about that. I know we talked about that. So I'm fine with him being off the air for a little bit and then coming back, as long as it, it you know, as long as it's not a one off and he comes back and has some sort of feud with Ambrose or Reigns or something like that, and the match was not just a once and done, and then they'll pretend we forgot that that match ever took place yeah um as long as it's as long as it makes sense i'm, I'm fine with it continuity folks continuity we need oh, yeah, a little bit we we are we're sticklers for it and and i know you know jericho said that you know wwe contacted him like weeks ago about being the guy and and he said he's not just going to come back just to make a one-time appearance have it mean nothing right he goes that you know for me to come back and for me to be on tv because he said if if there's not a story that I care about and story I, I want to be involved in, he goes, I'll just do the house shows for the rest of my career and then retire 10 years from now. 
he seems legit doing that. You know, so he said, you know, it has to be right. You know, the details have to be right. And he said it took him a couple of weeks for them to, uh, you know, to, to come to terms and, and come up with a story that he was okay with. And so that, that makes me happy that, that there's actually going to be something that comes out of this. And it wasn't just, oh, here comes Jericho. He screws this shield. Now he's gone again. Right. Um, so there's definitely going to be something there. Um, and, and honestly, you know, if this, if this finishes at Royal Rumble, if this finishes at WrestleMania, you mean WrestleMania, Chris Jericho versus Dean Ambrose? Thank you. I mean, th- that would be uh, great. But, but I think this is one of the, the cooler stories of the entire show, the, this match. And it gave it, the, gave it the time I think it needed. Um, and, and awesome for the Wyatt family. I know, you know, back in, at the Royal Rumble, this year we were even talking that you know the 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 WWE needs to make Bray Wyatt and the Wyatts feel important um they finally have gotten there uh 8 months late but all of a sudden here with with the um and and, and not to not to crap on Eric Rowan but he he always did kind of feel and it's odd saying cuz I mean it's a family of freaks basically but he always kind of felt like uh, he he didn't fit in all that well. He just seemed. But but Braun Strowman has added a huge dimension to this team. Huge. That's that's punny. Yeah, yeah. Punny. Funny. No, uh-huh. I mean even even Rowan was big. He just didn't like you said. He didn't fit in well. I don't know if it was something. It just seemed forced. I thought he was very green. Um, and we we all kind of called him out on that. Luke Harper phenomenal talent. The guy's probably one of the more underrated people in the WWE sure, right now. Sure, yeah. So so I mean they're they're doing plenty of things right. Meaning the Wyatt family. I hope they can keep going. We've said it from the beginning of the year that we hope this is the year of Bray Wyatt, that something finally happens that Bray Wyatt breaks out. Um and, and this I, I God, I hope I, I don't know. I, I it gets blurred the Braun Strowman thing I like a whole lot. I just, I just hope something happens with Bray Wyatt because it needs to happen. It does. The guy's too good for it to not happen. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Um, not to speed up too much here, but but uh, John Cena, Seth Rollins, sixteen oh one. First off, kudos to Seth Rollins for going. You know, he was out there for basically an hour, and and with the, um, you know, the two matches, he went over a half an hour in ring time. Uh, so kudos to him for that. That can't be easy. But um, Cena gets the win. I thought it was a good match. Uh, and to, as we already touched on, the once again, the WWE United States champion. Yeah, and I'm actually fine with John Cena regaining the yep. belt. Kind of a short turnaround for him. Uh, was it two months? A month? That Seth Rollins held the belt for? Uh, he won it. Did he win it at SummerSlam? I'm I'm drawing a blank for some reason. I'm sorry. So either way, it was it was a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. Put the, put the, I'm sorry to put the belt back on. Yeah, Seth Rollins defeated. Um, yeah, because it was the championship. Yeah, it was John Cena against yeah. Seth Rollins. It's the, the belt for belt month. match or whatever. A so a month holding both belts is fine. So uh, it's okay to, to drop it back. 
to John Cena. Uh, I thought everything Cena did heading into this match was fantastic. Legitimized the, the United States Championship. I hope we can see a few more really good defenses. I hope it brings back the John Cena Invitational Open Challenge, or whatever he called it, every Monday night, so we can see a title match on Monday Night Rawls on a weekly basis. Um, and then uh, whoever he drops it to next, I hope, can, can just really run and catapult their career excuse me, into something, into something more. Um, and, and, and give it to maybe a younger guy on the card, maybe a Neville or somebody like that. Um, a Cesaro even. I, I, I think he needs to start carrying a championship title sometime real soon. Um, and even the Cesaro Cena matches we saw a little bit ago were not bad matches, so I'd be okay with that. Right. Um, you know, so who knows where they're going to you know, go with it, but uh, exciting nonetheless. John Cena, your new United States Championship or champion? I'm sorry. Yeah, now and the and the final match, uh, Seth Rollins defeating Sting for the World Heavyweight Championship. Ooh, no. Um, I thought it was a good match until you know the obvious. I mean, we all know by now uh, the injury to Sting, um, not nearly as serious as it appeared. But man, you go back and you watch that match, and and, and I did. Um, once he hits that buckle bomb for the second time. Uh, you, you can, I mean, you literally see his legs go out from under him, uh, and he collapsed twice. Um, and, and honestly, watching it initially, I didn't know if it was a work or if it was a shoot. And then um, when Sheamus did the uh, did, did the cash in, or the uh, uh, nearly nearly a cash in, and you saw about fifteen guys helping Sting to the back, it was right. like, okay, this is this is real. Um, you know, and and this is I like this. This was pulled from an interview that Sting did talking about the injury, um, and you know, just kind of elaborating. And that's on WWE.com. I know we put it on the Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash Three Count Thursday, and I know we tweeted it at Three Count Thursday. Um, Sting says, uh, you know, he poked his head in the ambulance and said, "Man, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened." I said, "Seth, don't worry about it. It's not your fault." And for 15 minutes, he said, "I just wanted to tell you what an honor it was, a pleasure." I can't believe I had a chance to get in the ring with you and work with you. He said, I was you for Halloween when I was a kid. Uh, he went on and on about it. But, you know, this young guy doesn't have any idea how much I appreciate being able to work with him. What awesome respect between the two. How awesome is it for Seth Rollins, you know, to, to go in there and, and just, you know, and, 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 you know, feel so bad about what happened and, and the two guys showing that respect for each other, even in such a scary moment. Right, huge, huge respect coming from both of them. Um, you know, really bad. It's unfortunate that it happened. Uh, obviously, it's professional wrestling accidents can happen. Um, it's why we're told not to try it at home. Uh, the match was really, really good. I mean, I mean, I was surprised. I mean, some of the spots Sting, the the the, the table spot, uh, they had Sting off the top rope, not into the ring, but onto the floor. We had a pretty significant drop there for somebody of Sting's age. Um, uh, sustaining not one but two buckle bombs, the second buckle bomb, finally the one that, uh, you know, I think injured him, or significantly injured him. Um, and kind of right away when I was watching it, I saw Seth Rollins, like, the buckle bomb was supposed to lead into another move. I don't know what it is. Um, Seth, like, stuttered real bad um, and then just kind of kicked at, at Sting. Sting kind of went down to a knee. Um, then Sting hit the rope, stuck under the clothesline, and then just, like, his legs gave out, which was scary to see. Like, that moment, you're like, wow. Mm, yeah. You know, I, I don't know if they would do a work 
to that level. Like it was scary to see somebody's legs just give out. Um, and then obviously Seth Rollins, a uh, lot of posing and, and mocking while the cameras are off of Sting as, as doctors and trainers checked on him. Huge, huge kudos to Sting for finishing the match. I want to throw that out there. Really, really uh, thankful for that as a fan. But obviously it was a real quick, uh, kind of a quick end to that match. Uh, I'd, I'd have liked to see how the match would have played out had an injury not occurred. I, th- I think the end goal rumors are circulating that the end goal was still Rollins clean over Sting. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just kind of got to it a little bit faster this way. I'd like to see the original scripted ending to the match, but uh, you know we'll take what it is. I hope Sting is okay. I don't think we've actually heard anything definitive about him. I, I, no, and I don't think you'll hear anything definitive for a while. I mean, we heard that it was not broken. Good. Uh, no fracture. Good. You know, no... You know, so I think now it's just going to be you see how he heals up and feels a couple months. Right. I mean, it's a scary injury. The guy's, what, 50, 56? 56. I mean, that's... So, I mean, there is a, I mean there, there's definitely a legitimate chance I'll say this. Um, you know, I, you know, and I, I obviously I don't know this being fact, but for me, I mean, there's a legit chance that this was, that we saw Sting's last match. I hope we haven't. I, I hope, hope we he haven't gets either. To kind of go out on his own terms one more one more match or two more matches. But I hope Sting puts his health before anything else. Sure, sure. And and I think, you know, I think he's a smart guy. He really is. Um and he's obviously spent a lot of time in this business. Uh but but you know, it it, it really is unfortunate. Looking over Ryan the uh the card, I finished uh, I had 5 right, 3 wrong. You were 4 and 4 on the night, but we'll tick you up the to, we'll give you we'll give you a 5 because you had the Jericho uh, the Jericho I'll prediction, right? Uh, Matt actually six and two on the night. The oh, only wow. ones he had wrong was the um, actually six and a half and one and a half. Yeah, the, <laughs> he, had the, he had the um, Rollins uh, in the U.S. Championship wrong, and he had. Uh, I mean, we all had the New Day wrong. That's why he's our stat guy. That is why he is our stat guy. So it keeps us in the um, know. Overall, Ryan, you know, I'm going to give this pay per view. I'm going to give it like a B B minus. I thought it was pretty solid the whole way through. Uh, nothing, nothing really stands out to me uh, as anything glaringly bad. Like I said, the you know, for me, the worst one, the worst part of it was the Ziggler Rusev match. Not because the match was bad, because I'm tired of the feud. Right, right, and like I said, it's it's right up there with with Orton Sheamus. They don't put on bad matches, but I'm sick of seeing it. Um, I'm right there with you, Jim. For an off pay per view, obviously it's the pay per view where the titles are all defended. But an off pay per view, I'm going to give it a B minus too. Not, nothing. You know, oh, really special that I want to, you know, get it real excited to give it an A. But a B-minus, I think, is a really, really good score. Definitely better than just an average show. So, B-minus it is. Um, and we'll we'll get with Matt. Uh, and we'll have Matt maybe tweet his or, or throw it up on Facebook what his score was on the card. Maybe he can uh, maybe message us if he's still up today. We'll uh, try to get a hold of him. And by the end of the show, maybe you can just, just tell him what, what his score was then. Right, let's so, move on to Raw. Let's brother. move on to Raw. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to cover a, a lot of it, um, but uh, you know, like we saw Kane return, the Demon Kane, the Masked Kane, return at Night of Champions at the end and, and choke slam both uh, Seth Rollins. I guess he Tombstone Rollins choke slam Sheamus. Uh, Sheamus, like I said, fake, fake the cash in, but did not actually cash in his Money in the Bank uh, briefcase. Uh, so we saw. Um, How hard is it to? Freaking cash in your briefcase. Apparently, it's pretty freaking hard. Like, first of all, if you're going to cash it in, Seamus, you have to let go of the briefcase. Like, you have to 
Extend right. your I mean, hands and then the, just let it go. We saw the referee and, and Sheamus issues, you know, a little while ago on Raw. You know, now this one, you look like he was getting, he was going to do it. Uh, the referee didn't quite make it to the ring fast enough, and then Kane's music hit, and the and the flames shot. So, um, you know, maybe maybe like maybe Sheamus needs to like come out in commentary and have uh, like Mike Kyoto out there. Maybe he needs to even have Mike Kyoto holding the briefcase. Then he can just ring the bell. They ring the bell and let it go. You know, ring the bell now. Um, or maybe we need to. Like I get the teasing part of it, but it's insulting now. Maybe, maybe they need to give the superstar the power to ring the bell. Ooh! So they don't need the referee to ring the bell. They just need the referee to ready count to count. Three. So when he, you know, he. That's kind of like the hardcore when the hardcore was, uh, championship was defended twenty four seven. There's yeah. no bell there. I mean, you could hell, you could. I think. Crash Holly got pinned in his sleep one time. Yeah, yeah, by uh, Briscoe. Or something, right? They just laid down. And then one, two, three. Yeah. Doing the silent celebration, celebration which was yeah, one of the funniest, funniest freaking things you I've ever seen. You got a point. Seen. Maybe that's how it needs to be. Yeah. By the way, Matt gave it a C. Okay. Matt got back when he gave it a C. All right. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not that hard on it, but, you know, to, to each their own. But, but we saw Kane return. And uh, and on Raw we saw we saw a new we saw a new corporate cane. Love it. Kind of you know kind of fun. And and Triple H and Stephanie and Seth were you know we know what you did last night and what are you talking about? I just got my job back today. Like he's doing a very like two face kind of thing. I think it's hilarious. It's 2015, Ryan, and I loved Kane on Raw. I was laughing at Kane on Raw. Yeah. I mean it was just. It was over the top, like mm-hmm. hokey. It was like Dennis the Menace bad. Like and I just I, got back today. Yeah, I got my coffee mug. I got my new tie. I got my new suit. Just, just loved being back in the office and has no clue that his alter ego or double personality, right. you know, showed up the okay, night before. Okay, Kane, where's your mask? What mask? The one the that's always right I here. It, oh, I. I don't know where my mask is. I, here, let me go look for it. Right. Like, just clueless, clueless just, corporate cane. Just spectacular. Um, yeah, I love that. I mean, you got to the main event. It was it was the rematch for the uh, U.S. Championship, Seth and, and John Cena. Yeah, the moment where the now Demon Kane, uh, you know, came up from the hole in the ring, pulled Seth down into hell. Uh, and you had the fire extinguisher smoke. And I'm glad they did that because I forgot hell was located under the ring. Right. I mean, it's good to remember. Like, I mean, I get it. You know, everybody wants. You know, it it was it was awesome when the Undertaker did it, and you know, around WrestleMania 12, WrestleMania 13, whatever it was. Um, you know, but now, but but now all of a sudden it's not cool. Like, I get we've seen it before, and I get it. We know that it's just under the ring. But again, it it goes back to this thing, and 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 maybe for me again, I just look at things differently. Um, you know, you have to sp- suspend your disbelief. Like Rey Mysterio has beaten the Big Show. Okay, like you know, uh, if you're if you're gonna break down, you know, and, and look at things that you, hell's not really underneath the ring. Right. If you're gonna really break it down, a haymaker that they're throwing around. One punch, you'd be knocked out. Like, right, realistic. I mean, like, like, like these guys are. You go back to we go to what Austin, Jake Robert. Like, a guy gets hit with a sledgehammer and then gets up. Right. No, if you get hit in the head with a sledgehammer, you're probably dead. So, like, 
you know, you have to suspend the disbelief sure. there. I, I I get what they're doing. I didn't have a problem with that. No, I didn't have a problem with it. It was just, it was just, it's that hokey thing again. I guess that was my only sure. problem with it. But sure. I don't even want to say it was a problem with it. It's just, I just, I forgot where hell was. That's all. Um, the divas, you had, you had uh, Ric Flair and Charlotte come out. Um, they're doing what flares do and crying in, in the promo. I'm at the point where I can barely understand what Flair says anymore. Yeah, and then he starts crying. And then he's right. Then he starts crying. Right. <laughs> um, like I can't tell if he's just if he's soft, if he has a really bad lisp, um, if he had a stroke. I can't tell. What, I what the I, matter I, with I don't know anymore. But it's Nate being Nate. Um, you know, I, I liked I liked uh, you know Charlotte's promo, and then we, then we saw. This one, I think we we kind of saw coming as it was playing out on Monday. Paige turns heel, um, turning on turning on Charlotte, saying you know she was the one that started the revolution and title reigns. in. I thought it was I thought it was a good turn promo. Um, I think Paige works better as a heel. Um, I can't stand. I mean, I couldn't really stand her as a face that much. Um, calling out Natty, Natty making an appearance, actually wrestling. Thank God, and I love the fact that they called her out. Like, at yeah. least we know that she's not irrelevant, right? You know, you know. Even, so she she wrestled Naomi, like a, a good long match, gets the win, couple of stiff spots in that match. Um, Naomi always kind of wrestled stiff, and so did really so did Natty a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so I mean that not was a, a problem, that was a physical match, sure was. Um, so. You know, good to see that. Good to see, you know, now it looks like they're, you know, the, the, these threesome teams may finally start dissolving. Finally. Um, and, and you're getting different stuff. Let you know, we finally got begin. two different divas and Natty's back. And I think Natty wrestled again tonight on SmackDown, um, which which to me, oh, please, dear Lord, let Natty get one more get one more run with the Divas Championship. Please, like she deserves it more than anybody. I know she's like, you know, she's not old. She's older than than all the other divas. So I mean, you got to think, you know, maybe she's not doesn't have a lot of time left in the ring. But you know, g- give her what she deserves. Give her what she deserves, and that's another run with the title. But I, I, I I'm like you said, we're, we're two months too late. But I like what they're doing with the divas right now. Right, but better late than never, I guess. Sure, so, sure. I mean, hope, hopefully it's the yes movement. The yes movement and the payoff on that was better late than never. But we got it at WrestleMania. Sure, so, right. You know, we thought we were getting it at SummerSlam. We got it at WrestleMania. So maybe that's also what's happening here with the divas. Hopefully. Um, Big Show wrestled Cesaro. They're trying to build up Big Show Ryan. I think as. Uh, you know, as as you know, some, some something legitimate going into his match with Brock Lesnar at the MSG show, the special on the network. Uh, he picks up a win, and actually it was a pretty good match with Cesaro. Um, I don't know what it is about old guys in, in this past Monday, but uh, we were we were enjoying Kane and Big Show puts on a decent match. I had to check my clock and make sure it wasn't two thousand. Um, but it, it was it was a solid enough match. You saw. Freaking uh, Cesaro suplex the Big Show, which I mean that that that's great work by him and the Big Show. Give him credit. Um, Big Show gets the win with the knockout punch. I, I I'm not as mad about about this as some people are. 
people got torqued on. People this. got really torqued, and I kind of get it. Like, you know, why why do you have Cesaro lose to the Big Show? But then I was just listening to Taz's. Uh, the he does a daily uh, live show now in the morning. On CBS, you know, CBS yeah. Radio um, online uh, radio or play it or something like that. Uh, TazShow.com. You also get the podcast. I listen to podcasts of it. Um, you know, he says that you know I think you're in a day and age where, to a degree, wins and losses don't matter. Now, you know, if Cesaro goes on like a five six week losing streak. Or comes out on Monday and like and then loses to Bo Dallas or to Zack Ryder. I think we have a bit of a problem, but you know, I mean, the Big Show is still seven foot four, five hundred pounds. I mean, I understand he's old, but you know, he's not. He's not. It's not like he's in a wheelchair. It's not like he was walking on crutches. I mean, the guy is still in pretty decent shape. Um, and like, I understand what they're doing. I, I, I thought it was a little off that they had Cesaro lose to him. But after listening to Taz this week, I, I kind of get it a little bit. Yeah, we were we were talking about this at, actually at Great Lake before we went on the air tonight. Is it is it unbelievable that a, a guy the size of the big show would be able to beat Cesaro? It's not. Right. So why is everybody you know having an issue? Um, did Cesaro quote-unquote job... To the big show, yes, Cesaro lost the match. Um, but you have to think, oh, the match should make sense. Go back a week when I think it was Cesaro versus The Miz, or somehow The Miz was involved. The big show came down, scared The Miz off. On the way back, knockout punched Cesaro on the entrance ramp. So there is a little bit of history here. It's mm-hmm. not like the match was just thrown together. Yeah, good observation. You know, so it, it, it's two weeks running now where we've seen Cesaro and the big show. We don't know what the payoff is going to be. The payoff could be Cesaro, I don't know, uh, swinging the big show, which would be amazing. Right. Like that move right there would, would elevate Cesaro's superhuman strength to be able to pick up and, and Cesaro swing the big show. You know, maybe maybe it's happened already, and I just don't recall seeing it. But you know, but so maybe the, yeah, maybe this the, match at MSG is not going to be a squash. Here's the deal: the match, right? It's not going to be a squash, first of all. But second of all, we're we're talking about a house show. How much burying, quote unquote, are you going to do to just elevate the big show for a house show? And I think I think you said something, uh, Ryan, as we were prepping tonight. The term jobbing has become about as annoying as the word burying. Sure has. Like, it's, it's, it's become, like, I haven't even seen people saying burying as much. I've seen jobbing used a lot. Oh, Cesaro's jobbing to the big show. Oh, Jericho jobbed to the Wyatt family. Um, there's one guy has to win. One guy has to lose. And then, like I said, I do get, I do get a little bit of the frustration for Cesaro losing, because I'll be honest, I was that way as well. But then, the more you think about it, one loss on an episode of Raw doesn't necessarily mean that you're being buried or jobbing or whatever it is. Um, and then, like, he is a legitimately big and strong superstar. I don't care that he's old. I mean, if, if a guy at 7'4", 500 pounds punches you in the face, you're probably going you're going down. down. Um, 
Ryan, anything else? I mean, I want to talk about the ratings here, and we'll transition into the, um, you know, one of the bigger announcements from this week. The this week, uh, three point four nine million, three point three four nine million, down from last week's three point three nine seven million. It's also the lowest non-holiday Raw since Raw went to three hours in July of 2012. Oh, no. And this week shows uh, hours of 3.4, If you want to find any silver lining here, Raw was the number two for the night in viewership behind Monday Night Football, which drew 12.479 million. What was the game, though, again, Monday Night? Uh, Colts Jets. Oh wow, that's not even a great game either. No, no. Um, Raw was number four for the night in the eighteen to forty-nine demographic, behind NFL, Monday Night Football, Sports Center, and Love and Hip Hop, whatever the hell that is. Um, it sounds like a VH1 show there. <laughs> yeah, VH1 MTV. That's not a good number. And and I think Ooh, it's sad not. because I actually enjoyed. This week's Raw. I actually thought it was a pretty decent... I don't think it was the worst Raw I've ever seen. Far from it. I mean, it sure. wasn't the best. But, I mean, in, in 2015, I thought it was a... You know, for for what we've seen this year, I think it holds up. I think a fairly strong Raw. Yeah, and again, we're not, we're not, we're not talking about building to WrestleMania. We're, no, we're, it's it's you know, September. Kids are back in school. It's September. We're, we're talking about September Raws. Uh, those numbers are dreadfully bad. I'm not going to beat around no. the bush. Those numbers are bad. But, um, you know, I don't know what else the WWE can really do. Uh, I guess they can bring back some old talent. Oh, some old talent, you say? Oh, was that a perfect segue? That was. WWE, Ryan, announced, uh, I think, yesterday that on the October 19th Raw from Dallas, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker, Brock Lesnar, Ric Flair, and Shawn Michaels will all be appearing on Monday Night Raw. Well, that sounds like some old talent. That's the same night Austin will interview Lesnar. That um, I want to on the, that I on the podcast right after Raw. Dallas, of course, the home of um, of WrestleMania 32. I believe this is the go home Raw for Hell in a Cell. Um, if I'm if I'm not correct, I believe it is the go home raw. So here's the thing, and I know that you know a lot of people, you know, get, get very upset when you see that there's good, you know, the WWE's relying on this older talent, and and I and I can get that in a way. But here's here's the thing, um, everybody is so focused, and I've heard it on on you know, like I said, I listen to a lot of podcasts. A lot of Jim, people. That is the go home raw. It is the go home raw. Yes, the nineteenth okay. is the go home raw. So you want a big go home show? Good. I listen to a lot of podcasts, Ryan, and and so many times people bring up and and you know and 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 you know Vince Russo has brought it up on his thing, you know. Well, when I was writing raw, there was nine million people watching, and now there's three. You know, there's six million people that have stopped watching raw since I left. Well, here's the deal, bro. This is, you know, so if Vince Russo ever hears this, he's I'm speaking his language, bro. Um, <laughs> bro, 
bro, here's the deal, bro. Uh, something happened, bro. The WCW got bought out. The, the, the other half of that Monday Night War got bought out. So when you lose that, then you, you, you lose that fire, that thing that, that made it edgy, the thing that oh, we have to go out, we have to top, we have to top the WCW this week. We have to top WWE next week. You don't have that anymore. Nope. Okay? There's no competition right no. now. So, I mean, there's small... So for bend- the, for the, and, and, and also, DX disbanded because, you know, it, it, it kind of ran its course. Austin retired. Shawn Michaels retired. Um, you know, the NWO got too big. You know, the, everything just kind of got watered down and it just kind of spread out and WCW was gone. So the people that started watching when it was cool went away. So, yes, these ratings are bad, but you can't compare them to the Attitude Era. Compare them to more recently. So, yes, maybe from a year ago you lost a million people. That's bad. That is bad, right? That, that's bad, but I mean, you, to you me, that's three million people watching the show. To me, that's worse losing that million than losing the three or four million from the Attitude Era. Right. Because, I mean, totally different time in professional but now, here, wrestling. Here's totally what the different w- time w- in the world right yeah, now. Here's what the WWE needs to do. This is this is what I say the WWE needs to do. I'm okay with them bringing back Austin and the Undertaker, Brock. Well, I mean Brock's there, you know, half the year. So let's say you know Flair is around sometimes, but Michaels, Undertaker, Austin. Those are three names that you don't see on Raw. You haven't seen Austin on Raw in a long time. You've seen him with the podcast, but that's not on Raw. What was the last time we saw Michaels? Was that WrestleMania? WrestleMania when he super kicked. Okay. And when was the time before that? I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you have these guys on, here's what you need to do. You need to really have really showcase the younger talent. Rollins, Ambrose, Owens, Cesaro, Neville, New Day. So that the, the people that are watching, you, you can grab them and bring them in. Right. And they go, wow, this is this stuff's really good. You know, you know, I know. I'm sure Austin's going to stun somebody. I'm sure Michael's going to super kick somebody. Don't have Austin stun. I think Matt said it in his Facebook. Where you go to Facebook.com/slash3CountThursday. You know, Matt Matt brought up some good points there. Sure did. You know, don't have Austin stun Kevin Owens. Don't have Seth Rollins eat his sweet chin music. Have Heath Slater get stunned. Have you know? I don't know. So, you know, don't have your main guys, here's that term, if you will, jobbing to the older talent. Showcase. You know, have have Owens and Cesaro go 20 minutes. Right. Have a match like that. You know, have Seth Rollins take on, you know, Neville for 25 minutes in the main event. Ray, we saw that main event a while ago. You know, have John Cena. And it was a great match. Have John Cena open challenge. Samoa Joe. Have what? Samoa Joe show. You know what I mean? Great showcase great idea. what you have to offer. So the people, when they are tuning in for those big names, they go, wow, this is pretty you good. You have to do it like that. You know, I know my supervisor has, you know, he he, he has a roommate, <clears throat> and they've been watching wrestling because his roommate, um, wrestling man, my, my supervisor's like, well, I've watched Raw each of the past, like, four or five weeks. But he hadn't watched it in, like, 15 years. Welcome to the club, bro. I said, I said I'm said, i really sorry you're coming in right now. <laughs> We're having a rough time. Um, 
but no, that's what they got to do. I, you know, I mean, what do you think, Ryan? Do they need to? I mean, they need to showcase. Here's what I mean. Everybody, everybody's heard the rumors. Vince is freaking out backstage, stuff like that. They have to showcase these big guys to to put asses in seats, whatever. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if The Rock makes an appearance sometime shortly, um, just for a rub with somebody younger, just to to uh, own the element of surprise. Sure. And and and, and you know the social media. Oh my God, The Rock, and then people come over and flip the channel, you know, to start hour two or something like that, and watch those numbers spike. Um, what they have to do, Jim, is for Hell in a Cell, they have to pack out the Staples Center. I mean, it's, it's in L.A. It's a pretty big arena to fill. Um, yeah. They usually run their, their they, they ran Summer Slams out of there. Now this isn't a Summer Slam anymore. This is one of their off pay per views. So Hell in a Cell uh, at the at the Staples Center. I mean, blockbuster main event, Undertaker, Brock Lesnar, I think. People will, I, I hope, want to see it. I, I'd Ryan, like are to you see okay it. with what with, with looks to be Rollins, Kane at that? At yeah, that? it's just a stopgap. Sure. Like, it's not a real, it's I mean, not a real it, feud. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm with you. Well, it'll be fun to watch on Raw and then the Kane double personality. But after Hell in a Cell, if, if the match is Kane, Seth Rollins, it needs to stop there. And they can't drag out more than one pay-per-view. Have a, have their match at Hell in a Cell and just be done with it. Have have Seth Rollins right. retain or Sheamus cash in yeah, at Hell no in a Cell and be it. done with it. Then I mean, you know, if your if your featured match on this card is is Lesnar Taker and the Hell in a Cell, you know, I have no issue with it either. Not at all. No, not at all. Um, you don't want to take away from their main event of of, of Undertaker Brock Lesnar if that's going to be the main event. Right. Right. Um. Ryan, the only other thing I saw this today, this, uh, this is from uh, cagesideseats.com. Love this. Um, you know, back around WrestleMania week uh, in an interview, Finn Balor said, uh, the only way I'm not on WrestleMania 32 is if I'm dead. Uh, here we are in September, you know, was that five months later. Um, he said this, uh, I'm, I'm not sure who he was being interviewed, maybe I think it was somebody uh, with Cage Side Seats. He said, quote, I'm going to read the whole thing, this is short. Well, you know, a lot of us at NXT believe we're uh, something completely separate to what the main roster is currently putting out there. We don't necessarily want to be on the WrestleMania card. We're going to have our own card to ourselves. Hopefully the night before we'll sell out a building pretty similar to this and we'll be saying to the boys on WrestleMania, follow that. How awesome is that? How awesome Dude, like, is that? That seriously like gave like gave me goosebumps. Like just reading it out loud again. I mean, it's like the third time I've read this. No, how I mean, how awesome is that? I think they did it at Takeover. Yeah. Um, Takeover Brooklyn. You know what? Good luck, SummerSlam. Yeah. Good you know, luck. And, and Follow did, that. Did SummerSlam live up to the hype? I I don't really know. Um, here's what I do know: whatever women's match that they're going to put on there, probably a Paige versus Charlotte, something along those lines. They're going to have their hands full because in October, NXT TakeOver Respect is happening uh, two right. weeks before that. Next, and that's the next Bailey, week, we have to preview that. That's the Bailey-Sasha Banks 30-minute yeah. Iron Woman match. So good luck Divas match trying to top that match. God, what an awesome match that's going to be. I can't wait to talk about that next week. That's exciting. Yeah, we get to preview that next week. Um you know, but but yeah, the, the NXT is, is you know they they're doing awesome stuff. You know, they're they're really creating an identity separate from the main roster, which is what I think they need to do. Um, they, and, they do, you know, and it shows that you know 
when you know when Vince McMahon retires that I think the WWE and we've said it before will be in very very great hands um, with, with Triple H uh, in control. So uh, Ryan, really, that's all I have. We're a couple minutes past eleven thirty, but uh, is that um, you got anything else? Yeah, Les. No, we can wrap it up again. I just, I want to say a special thank you to Les Thatcher. Yes. Um, you know, again, what a true honor it was for me to be able to sit down with Matt and and just to talk wrestling with him for a little over an hour today, or um, I'm sorry, back on Monday. Um, truly an honor for me. Other than that, Jim, you can find me. It's at ryn eagle at ryn e a g l e. Follow along the three count Thursday. Three Count Thursday on Twitter is at Three Count Thursday, Facebook.com slash Three Count Thursday. On Instagram, at Three Count Thursday. Be sure to hop on our Facebook page and our Twitter accounts. We are running a batch of shirts here. We have two different logos the uh, original red and white, I'm sorry, the original red and black Three Count Thursday logo, the, uh, the newer podcast 3CT, white and black, kind of off the Austin 316 logo. Um, vote for the one you like the best. I think ultimately our end game is we're going to get them both printed up at some time. Yeah, we're going to we're going to run a batch now. Uh, we want to know which batch you guys like yeah, the you most. You get to decide. You do get to decide. Like, click, let us know. Facebook.com slash three count Thursday, Instagram and Twitter at three count Thursday. You can follow our stack guy Matt at three C T A Philly P H I L L Y the number eight at three C T A Philly eight. You can follow me at Big Jim Sports again, Facebook.com slash Big Jim, uh, or excuse me, at Three Count Thursday, Facebook.com slash Three Count Thursday. Like Ryan said, uh, go to NGSCSports.com slash the number three dash count dash Thursday. NGSCSports.com. Check out all the shows, all the content, all the written content, and much, much more where we never stop at NGSC Sports. Go to Spreaker, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn Radio app to podcast every show that is on the NGSC network by searching NGSC there. Go to WrestlingInformant247.com. Again, WrestlingInformant247.com. You can podcast this show directly by going to your podcast store and searching the Recount Thursday. Guys, have a great week. Thanks for tuning in again. A huge thank you to Les Thatcher. Stay tuned to our social medias for any upcoming announcements about future guests and future shows. Have a great week, folks. Stay safe. And as always, go for the pin. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.